Okay. Hi. Welcome to, back to the podcast. Uh, Hello. Yeah. Today I have a guest. I guess he can introduce himself. My name's Tyler. I'm Trey's brother. Probably he, heard me before. He's been, well, I don't know if they heard you before, but you have been on before. Like two times. One, yeah, two times. No, one was Technically like three, but. Yeah. And then I've been on yours, but yeah. Okay. So we're just free for it. Free for all. Uh, do you want to go into that? Did you want to do the uh, the Jesus on Saturday one first? We can. So it, it won't be a long discussion, I doubt, with me and you both. I mean, technically, I can't. I can't really debate that. Like that's the topic where Jesus was when he was dead. Okay. Like yeah. the three day period so, when he was dead. Yeah. So uh, Tony Evans was preaching on where Jesus went on Saturday when he was dead, and you know, the belief is Jesus went and preached in hell and then brought people back with him to heaven. And so I call that, in my personal language, blasphemy. But I thought, oh, maybe I should do some research on it. And first I did a logical thing like, okay, if Jesus went to hell, preached to the people, and brought them back up into heaven, then why would I want to get saved if I can just go to hell for a couple thousand years? Then Jesus, who knows, maybe he'll come back down there, preach to me, that's my ticket out. And I would think that would be kind of a version of universalism. Because if the thought is well, the people in hell want to go to heaven. Is he saying that heaven, everybody in hell went to heaven? Or just some well, of them, or they had the chance in hell to go to heaven? Well, it's kind of it's one of those thoughts. So if, if you were in hell and if you had the capacity to choose Jesus then, then who wouldn't want to go to heaven? If you could kind of see between the chasm and go like, oh my goodness, all those people are having such a good time. I'm down here I've, burning I've, to death. I've heard theories about that, but about even when you're in hell... You won't want to let go of your sin enough to, what, to go to Christ, yeah. even if you have the opportunity. That's what I believe. I believe everyone in hell, you're continuing to <clears throat> sin, and you curse God. So even if Jesus came down to come and get you, which is unbiblical, then you still wouldn't want to go. But the way that my friends were looking at it is, oh, these people from Sodom and Gomorrah are now in heaven now. And so the only place I've found so far, there's probably more places, is in First Peter three eighteen through 20. That talks about what Jesus did, and I think this is the verse. It says, "For for Christ also suffered for the sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God, after being put to death in the fleshly realm, but made alive in the spiritual realm. In that state he also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah, while an ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. And so, that's where they get that Jesus went to that's hell. That's 1 Peter 3? 1 Peter three eighteen through Okay, 20. I think I was looking at that just the other day, because somebody was talking about it, and he was talking about confirmation that Jesus went to hell. Yeah, so you have but to... There, but it's, the thing is, there's different, ver- like, with the different uh, versions of Bibles, interpretations, like, you know, you have CSB and King James and all that. Mm-hmm. Some of them say hell, others say hell. I think I think that's what he was referencing was this reference where it's like some of them say like the realm of the dead. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I guess it's based off your interpretation. The one he used it said he went to hell. Okay, well that's probably like a so oh, I don't that's I, probably I, NIV or something. I don't know, but well, I know he would, but he would, but I saw a video and he was talking about how yes Jesus went to hell during that period. I saw it the other day. Okay, and I listened to it. But even like so, you have to determine what the spirits are and what prison is 
so it's talking about disobedience. So yeah. it, there, there's two ways to interpret it, and I don't have my logo software with me, so I can't really look up the Greek of what the actual words are. But, you know, here in the Holman Christian Standard on my phone, it gives me some notes. And so it says, spirits, perhaps fallen supernatural beings and or angels. So if Jesus went to, you know, the place where in hell that they keep the demons that are waiting the to tell the up. end time, yeah, yeah, then Jesus could preach to them, and it doesn't say anything about them going back to heaven with them, which is the whole case. Or, you know, it could be that my interpretation, not of this verse, of the whole Saturday thing, is that Jesus went to Abraham's bosom, which was still a place after Jesus died, because Abraham was there with, it depends how you interpret that parable and or true story about the rich man and Lazarus, but he went to Abraham's bosom because those people in Abraham's bosom, they believed in God, but Jesus hadn't paid for them yet. So they had to wait to go to heaven to be with God because their sins hadn't been forgiven. And that's my interpretation of where Jesus went Saturday. Not that he went to hell. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of things that go into it, like different layers of hell, kind of like different layers of heaven. Depends where you look and what you look at, like Hades or prison or whatever are different layers of hell or different zones of hell yeah. that different beings are kept out kind of just depends where you look but i just thought it was very blasphemous to say that someone that jesus could go to hell and save the people in hell who didn't believe in him when they were on earth because that's more than a second chance yeah because you get plenty of chances here on earth and then you get another chance when you're dead if it just I mean, doesn't seem if it was talking about angels it would make sense yeah well because that, that's what i was thinking or i guess fallen angels yeah. and all that i i honestly don't know where they other than what you said, it's the translation says he went to hell. I don't, I don't know, know if this was the, the actual This verse. might not be the verse. Yeah. Th- he might have been referencing a different book. I can't remember. But yeah, Well, I think it says there's also mentions of that in like Jude 6 and Second Peter 2, 4, or two of the things. So I don't know. I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was kind of unbiblical because it defeats the whole purpose of Jesus dying for us. Because if he can die for us, and then we can just believe it in him when we're in hell, it's not really eternal punishment at that point, is it? It's yeah. You can suffer for a couple thousand years punishment. I'm trying to think if there's any scripture that says, cause I'm pretty sure there is, but I don't know it, that says, like, you know, once you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. Well, like, it's kind of... Like this is a one-chance thing. Well, when you, when I can't you think die, you either are to eternal life, have a body made for eternal life, or a body made for eternal damnation... So it's like, if Jesus picked some, if Jesus got someone from hell and brought them to heaven, their bodies wouldn't be able to stay in heaven because they already have a body meant for eternal damnation, not for partial damnation. He also said it was Tony Evans. I don't know what Tony Evans actually believes. Well, he might yeah. believe in universally. Well, I know Patri- Patricia Shire. I think is I his, don't know his daughter. His daughter. And she I've heard about her. Sketched. I don't know her, but I've heard about her. Well, I think she's very. Strange. I don't know. I, I've never listened to any of uh, Tony Evans stuff. Like I know stuff about like TD Jakes and and some of them, but well, but they Jakes, don't they don't go with the yeah. universalism. He's a oneness theology. I think yeah, oneness. Called. Yeah, 
God so, just when it's shape shifts. Yeah. <laughs> he just shape shifts. Where Jesus and which, God and the Holy which Spirit. Which contradicts are all itself because then everybody's seen the Father. Which well, makes anyone who's seen him has seen the Father. Well, yeah, I get but, that. I get where they get it from. That's the thing. If you can understand where people get it from, then you can kind of destroy what they believe. And then, which, it's, and then it's like, did he ascend in to be at the right hand of the Father, or is he the Holy Spirit? Like maybe he's sitting. Like at did, his he, own did, right he, hand, did he did he did he start to float up and then just come back down as a Holy it's Spirit? It's a Doctor and, Strange thing, Trey, where he's sitting that's at not his a own right hand. So it's magic. Yeah. It's witchcraft. Hey. It's demonic. You said it. Well, okay, well, you're the one who's going there. But I was going to say, speaking of uh, seeing where people get some of their theology, uh, we were talking about it a little bit before, but the Olivet Discourse, you said it's an end times thing. I disagree. You said, you said Matthew 24? Yeah, it's Matthew. Uh, I can tell you. Or is it? Or is it? If it's something else. The Olivet Discourse. So it's Matthew. Because he's discussing on the Mount of Olives. It's Matthew 24, 36 through 44, talking about when uh, one man is sowing or two men are sowing and then one is taken, the other one will be left, that thing. I know some of that chapter is in, in uh, most of the parables in chapter 25 are references to end times because of this, at the beginning, I think it's at the beginning of 24, the disciples asked Jesus, you know, what will be the signs of the end or something like that. So, so the entire chapter may not be all end times, but there is stuff about end times in there. Yeah, well, it's, such is signs of the ends of, of the age. Yeah. Which does not mean, let's say, the, the end times when God destroys the world. It's not necessarily that. It's kind of no, right into it. An end of an age. You think of like tribulation. What's an age? Your favorite uh, people, theology around favorite, table, talk about it. Favorite generation. What is, it? what is an age? But no, it's like, so, you know, in, let me see if I can find it. So, yeah, it's... Uh, he talks about as the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. So for those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day of Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. So this is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken and one left. Therefore be alert since you don't know what day your lord is coming and it goes on and i can keep on talking about it but so let's let's think about this so he says as in the days of noah okay and this is where we get the what what are those movies called i, I don't the, the bible movies Nicolas cage one and where he's on the plane and people are the rapture oh what are those left called? behind left behind left behind series so it's a whole theology right that everyone's going to be, all the people that are saved are going to be taken, right? You're talking about pre-trib, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's think about that real quick. As in the days of Noah, Trey, who were taken and who were left on the earth? Well, all the All the wicked, sinful people were taken. And only the killed, family of Noah survived. And only the, the righteous survived. So it's kind of, you know, we get this idea of all the good people, all the people that love Jesus are going to be taken. But in here it says... You know, we read the one is sowing or one is grinding and the other one is left. Well, which one is taken? So you think that's a reference to like, uh, what is it, the, the thousand year reign of Jesus? I'm, I'm not making any such claim. I'm just that, saying, that's what it sounds like. I'm just saying that the rapture that people talk about, if this is in times, like people are saying, then the rapture should be opposite. 
the people who don't believe in Jesus are taken, are killed, are raptured to death, and the people that do believe in Jesus are left. Well, there's even debate on rapture itself because people are like, oh, the rapture doesn't, you know, like the word doesn't appear in the Bible. Yeah. Well, and it's like, well, that you throw that in the air because there's a lot of words that don't appear in the exactly. Bible, but I, the definitions are yeah, very explicit. That's a ridiculous argument that but, this word isn't in the Bible. But, yeah, so I, I just think it's interesting that people take that passage and say, well, see, here's a rapture event. There's, you know, two people, and then, boom, one is raptured away, and the other, the evil person is left. But this clearly says that the righteous are left and the evil ones are taken. So I, I, I just think it's interesting. But all in this whole Olivet Discourse, you know, there's so many things where, like, you know, in the beginning of the thing, Jesus talks about, I assure you not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down, talking about the temple being destroyed and about Jerusalem being destroyed. And he goes on to talk about all these, you know, the abomination of desolation when he comes, leave. Well, there's a there's a section of Christians that believe that this event has already happened. Okay. Because Jesus warned, you know, his followers right here. So he's warning his followers. He's saying, you know, when the abomination of desolation comes leave flee to the mountains you know and it's funny because you know the Ro- during the well, that, 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 i could definitely say that's a reference to wickedness like obviously well yeah it could be or to the wicked but you know if jesus is telling that generation that hey when this happens leave jerusalem get out of there because everything's going to be destroyed yeah and so what happened was the roman army came and they were coming and they stopped, and they started to head back. Well, uh, Josephus, you know, the Jewish writer, uh, he's not a Christian, wasn't a Christian, but he's a Jewish writer, and he said, at that point in time, all the Christians fled. The, ar- the Roman army was leaving. They weren't even coming into the city. They left. Yeah. And so everyone thought, oh, it's all fine, but the Christians left, and then the Roman army turned back around, came back through, destroyed Jerusalem, everything was burned, all the temple was, you know, yeah. smashed down. So it's like, this is this could be telling exactly what happened. Because Jesus told them, hey, in this age, this is going to happen. So be on the lookout for this so you can save yourselves. And that's what they did. And it's weird because, you know, and no one likes that interpretation. Because they're like, oh, well, you know, the bear. The bear is Russia. We got to... We gotta watch oh, yeah. out, you know, like the end time interpretations. Everyone likes those type of end time interpretations. But the only problem with those is like, uh, I, you know, I went to CFNI in college, and the people were explaining them to me, and like uh, the nuclear uh, holocaust, not the nuclear holocaust, but whenever uh, Chernobyl exploded mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all this stuff happened, well, it technically the mushroom cloud moved, you know, for a long time. And, and it destroyed it. one third of all the trees in the world because there's a bunch of trees in Russia. So it swifts across Russia. It destroys one third of the trees, destroys, you know, makes the the water red, yeah, like, like blood. And so it's fulfilling the, all these the, prophecies. The seven angels that's in yeah. later in Revelation, yeah. Well, yeah, it's fulfilling all these prophecies. And they're like, okay, so these prophecies have already come. So now we got to keep on looking down the road for the next prophecy to come. And it's kind of, if you read, uh, there's a. There's like a magazine that they do where it's all these end time things happening. And the funny thing is like every 20, 30 years, 
all those end time events that they say have happened rehappen again in the next 20 to 30 years when you read them again and it's like uh so we're just kind of guessworking well, our way through. I mean, there are, there are all sorts of type of different religious people. Like, I've seen people who say that we're living in, that people are now born sinless because Jesus already, all of this has already happened. So now you are born sinless. So if you die, you're saved. It's just until you sin, you're sinless. So you're born sinless because we're in the reign of Jesus. Because Jesus already returned. And they, they reference back to the, the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Well, that's going to suck for my kids, then. They're going to go to I, hell. That's, that's just... They've already they're sinned. Like, they're like, you know, you're, what, you're born sinless until you sin. What happened to the age of accountability? If my kids... So my kids hey, are man, only don't ask me. Two and four, and the other one's one. The one that's two and the one that's four have already disobeyed their parents and have already stolen, not big things, but, you know, things from each other. That counts as stealing, so they technically would go to hell but they don't have the capacity to choose to believe in jesus so it's kind of i don't know it destroys hey, a lot there's of a lot of people I, I saw this one woman talk about she was the the second witness oh my word and people are like wow <laughs> this is a fire coming Very out of her mouth i want to see this so a lot of people called her a heretic but <laughs> well you know we don't so, want to get too judgmental here we're doing it judge righteously yeah, there's there's a there's yeah. a bunch of weird things. I mean, that was, I mean, we could go through the whole Olivet discourse and I could show you, but I feel like it would take too long on the podcast. I don't even have that studying done. Well, yeah, we probably should have planned that beforehand, but <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> how's that? How I mean, if there, there's stuff that I've discussed with people, where I could, you know, you you talked about since I'm a Calvinist to talk about Calvinism. I, that, it was just a topic. I thought, oh, you seem to enjoy it, so I'm sure. Well, I enjoy talking. I'm about sure you it, like playing ball with it, so it's like. Well, I can play ball with it. That's well, the thing. I can. I mean, I can survive. Okay. Well, if you I mean, want, if you want to discuss it, I mean, I don't know everything, but I know the, the basic outlines. But I know basic outlines of a lot of religions. I, th- I think what it comes down to why people don't like Calvinism is the limited. Not a it's limited, a certain. It's uh, it, on no. It would be it's limited, the L, atonement. limited atonement. Yeah, yeah. yeah that would. Or Jesus, on, the election. He, where Jesus only dies for chooses, the election. Yes. Yeah, Jesus chooses. That's the big thing. But before we get into that, I wanted to say, you know, everyone likes to argue with Calvinists, right? So if someone finds out you're a Calvinist, people like to, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, well, you believe in this, you believe in that, and then you listen to some podcast, not going to say which ones, but they condemn Calvinists as unsaved people. I find it very interesting when people do that because like calvinists don't call pentecostals unsaved we say some of them are like joel osteen because he's not he's preaching a real gospel he's a pentecostal yep, he's pretty pentecostal then, I then there's to guys enough. like tony evans that are eh, we wouldn't call him unsaved but he has some sketchy stuff or guys like td jakes that we'd say yes it's most definitely not a christian based on everything we've seen but I, you know that's just kind of how it goes is Calvinism gets all the bad rap, and then all the you know Pentecostals, Baptists, a lot I, of Baptists. I want to see are, Calvinists get all of it. I mean, yes, you get some just because, well, we, we because get of in. what you're promo- what you're going well, for. Well, I think we I think we get lumped in with like Catholics and like, I wouldn't know. 
Oh yeah. No. Trey. I are okay. you a Calvinist? Okay. Have you I have studied I have studied very little Cal I have studied much Calvinism and I have like Mormonism, but I have studied a lot of uh, oh, we get thrown Catholicism. I have studied a lot of Catholicism. No, no, no. And they it's comp- not, like it's not only are they different when you look at them, they both sides completely refute the opposite side. Well yeah, it's but it's just it's the way that it's not that we both believe the same thing, it's that we get lumped in together. So like I've never, would, I've never seen it. I would lump I've in. I've never seen that. I mean, I can show you the theology roundtable and all the people. Okay, I've I don't listen with, to them nearly as much. They're crazy. Or, or but. people, uh, you know, will warn Calvin. It's like, oh, you're you're limiting God. Be careful. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, I think you are too. But it's also interesting that Calvinism is kind of why every Christian is here. <laughs> if you look at it, if it wasn't for the Calvinist, then everyone would be Catholic. You're talking about like Martin Luther. Yeah, I'm talking about well, the Reformation. I've heard he's not. At, like, he wasn't a Calvinist. He just he oh, looked like he was. Trey, 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 Trey. Hey, you think John Calvin's a Calvinist? Oh, here we go. Trey, John Calvin <laughs> learned everything from Luther. Have you ever read any of Luther's stuff? No. Trey, it is. I've ridic- just started studying church history. And Lutheran's people, way down the road. He's what people would call a super Calvinist today, where he was. All it, double predestination, which is God predestines people to hell and people to heaven, and there's all this. You know, Martin Luther is ridiculous, but you even look at like the Puritans, right? You know who the Puritans are, like John Bunyan. Uh, there's some other guys, but he's probably one of the most famous. But the Puritans are the ones that you've you've read about them, the ones that have to by their third year. They have to be able to debate in Greek, like yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's a four-year process. So really, really, really smart biblical people were Calvinist. All the big things were Calvinist. And then you look at Pentecostal, which is what most people... Technically, it's semi-Pelagianism, but Pentecostalism is a bigger, not as big as semi-Pelagianism. Which semi-Pelagianism, all it is, is that God makes a choice, man makes a choice, man can use his free will to choose God anyways. But that's really all there is, is there's Calvinist or Pelagian, you're talking, semi-Pelagian. Yeah, you're talking about uh, Arminius. Jacob Arminius, yeah, he was right. a big Arminianism one. Arminianism and all Pelagius, that, those people. Pelagius was a big one. He's the one who started it with Pelagianism, which was branded a heretic by everybody, and was not a Christian, because he said it else. was it was nothing God, it's all man. That's Pelagianism, so... We've developed this thing called semi-Pelagianism, where it's God and man working together to get saved. And a lot of people that believe in that don't like the way that that sounds, because it sounds like man is saving himself, too. Yeah. Which, if you look at it, which we can look at it, is what happens. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, historically, everybody's Calvinist, basically, until a couple hundred years ago. Then we get into semi and semi, or semi and regular Pelagianism from the beginning it was Calvinism and the only reason it's called Calvinism is because John Calvin was so famous that the the Armenianist came out with their little seven pillars well, John of what, Calvin what was trying believed. to be a, a, a pope right or a bishop well, yeah, a Catholic yeah. but it, it ended up he ended up turning into an atheist well yeah there's a lot of well, I mean so was Luther for a long time an so, atheist yeah. but yeah it's all of the people started like that but I just find it interesting that if it wasn't for Calvinism, Pelagianism, and semi-Pelagianism, those guys would have been killed on sight. The Calvinists were very kind and did not kill Pelagius. But it's like, if anyone came up with that in the Roman 
church, they'd be killed. But Luther, you know, kind of opened the door for us to have our freedom of religion. Because if it wasn't for Luther and Calvin and, you know, all these other people, even, uh, what's that guy's name in America? Adams. Is it Adams? Edwards. Uh, John, something Edwards. He's a, I'm thinking Edward Norton. He was a Calvinist, but he was in America. And even Johnny Appleseed was a Calvinist. <laughs> Everybody you can think of was in Calvinist until a couple hundred well, years ago. Well, you have to ago. look at it like this. Like, even if, hypothetically, if Calvinism didn't come into play through Martin Luther, like that, something else would have came out of, um, like, the Reformation would have still happened. Mm-hmm. Somebody else at some other point would have said, we don't like that we can't study the word ourselves because we can't trust I would also argue man. Paul is a Calvinist. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's good you're going to say because of the predestination. Probably. I would also say John is a Calvinist. Anyways. I would say everyone who wrote the books are Calvinists. Uh, which, but yeah, I think limited atonement is where everyone gets Calvinism as bad. Which I wouldn't, a lot of Calvinists wouldn't use limited atonement. We don't all subject ourselves to tulip. It's not our creed that we must follow. It's a way to explain it, though. We, yeah, but we would say particular atonement. There's a particular people, not a limited people. There's certain people that God wants to save, which, I mean, if you look through the whole Old Testament, that doesn't go against the Old Testament. The Jews were chosen. God says, only have I loved you. And even if you look at, you know, whenever God sent, uh, I wish I could remember who they were, but he sent a nation to go and punish Israel, to go destroy them, and then... Right off of that, God said, I'm going to use them to punish you. I think it's in Isaiah. He said, I'm going to use them to punish you. And then God says, but because of their hearts and why they're going to punish you, I'm going to turn right back around and punish them and kill them. And so, you know, God obviously had a people that he loved more, and it's the Jews where he punished them, allowed them to live, and then the other people, I forget who it is, but the other people were completely destroyed. And they were the ones who were the ones to punish Israel. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all over the Bible. I mean, if you watch The Chosen, I don't know. I don't really like that show a lot. But it's all the first episode. If, if you just listen to the language they use throughout there, it's like, yeah, Israel and the Jews don't have this mindset of God has to die for everybody and give everybody a chance. That's a Western thing. That's how we think, which is which is fine. But then there's the Eastern way of thinking of, no, people are chosen. It's about the individual. And we think, well, we should, you know, someone should die for everybody. And so it's it's very different. But I wanted to get, before we get into it, so do you, I wanted to make sure this, do you believe that the English translation of the Bible is... Inspired? Inspired. No. Okay. So you believe the original languages were inspired, right? Yeah. Okay. Like Greek That's and good. Yeah. Hebrew. Greek and Hebrew. Okay, good. There's some but, people that believe that. But I study that, in English yes. most of the time because no. that's the language I know. Yeah, but it, you know, you don't always need the Greek for it, but it does help out a lot. I just want to make sure because there's some people who believe the English, like you've seen them, the King James only people. King but James only. There's some KJ. people like that. Or, you know, there's some people. We can go through John 3.16. Everyone has a problem with that and say that proves Calvinism isn't real. And I think that's the weakest verse you can use. But we can go through it. Because I've had someone say to me, I'm not going to mention his name, but we both know him, that the all... It's me. It's not you. But the <laughs> whosoever and the all in John 
means all. All. Means everybody. And I was like, okay, that, okay, I don't disagree with you. All does mean all. But the whosoever is where I have the problem. So the whosoever, you know, I mean, I can go to John. I mean, everybody thing. can be saved, but only those whosoever yeah, believe yeah. it. So, well, they, you know, they Which say, would define the okay, elect. Okay, but you just said, right? you know, you said that everyone can be saved. No, I'm trying which, to explain what you're saying. Well, I'm about to explain what I'm saying. So it says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. A lot of Bible translations, I'm using a weird one, usually says, so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So when we're reading through that verse, the big thing is everyone or whosoever, right? Yeah. And and the world is also a big one, but the whosoever is a big one. That whosoever believes, and you'll hear people preach about it, like whosoever believes, and they'll really emphasize that whosoever. Well, that whosoever, whenever someone emphasizes like that, and us in our English culture have certain preconceived ideas of what whosoever means, right? So whenever someone says whosoever, we believe, okay, so that whosoever means, the underlying meaning is, that everyone has the capacity to believe, right? Yeah. That's what, that's what, whenever I used to hear when I was younger, that's what I believed. Whosoever means everyone has the capacity. Anyone can believe, but it's who will believe, right? So yeah. there's a preconceived idea that anyone can believe, but right? The ones who are saved are the ones who actually yeah, yes. believe. But here's a little bit of Greek for you. So I know that, the Greek for world. We can get to world in a minute. We can get to world in a minute. That's all I, I got. I like the whosoever part, but the Greek is has or pas has pestuon. Okay. Okay. Now that has is important, so hastis is a more broad term of whosoever. Hastis means that anyone, anyone, everyone has the capacity. Anyone can. The has in this one pas has pestuon. There's a limitation. Okay. Anyone exercising faith in Christ is that Haas, is that anyone. That's that's who it is. There's a limitation. Only the people that exercise faith in Christ can be saved, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, we'll go up a little bit, but the really naive approach to language is that people will say, well, if John wanted to say this, how I'm saying it, then he would have put it a different way, right? Yeah. If he wanted to say that only a certain amount of people can do it, then that's how he would put it. Well, you know, that's a very naive way of looking at language because, you know, you could take plenty of examples where you say, well, if you meant to say this, you would have said this, and, you know, I'll be talking to someone else, and I'll say something, and there's a context behind it, and then they'll say, well, if you wanted to say it that way, why didn't you just say it this way? Well, because I imagine that you would listen to the context. But anyways, it's a naive approach to language. I don't like it, so I don't think it's an argument that, he says it this way, but if he meant it the other way, he would have said it another way. It's not how the Bible works. That's not how any literature works. But the literal translation of it, have it written down, is that it's basically everyone believing in him, and here's what happens of everyone that believes in him, they will not perish but have eternal life. There was a purpose for giving the... the uh, anyone believing in him, right? So that's why I think this whole verse has nothing against Calvinism. I believe this whole verse, yeah. 
anyone who is believing in Christ will be saved. But you have to establish who can believe in Christ. And that's where that people, comes into play with the uh, total depravity. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. assume. It does. But it's also like John three sixteen, I just don't think is a good well, verse. Even if I it, totally agree even with Even if it. it means what you what it means or what somebody else says, it's still I don't think it's a huge argument against Calvinism, anyways. Well yeah, and I mean So either whole, or it's not an argument. Yeah. Well and like you said, the world for God's who love the world in this way. That word is cosmon. Cosmos, yes. Cosmos. It depends yeah. on how Which you read it. John uses it. Guess how many times John uses it? He uses it about 15 times. 15 times in all of John. So not close. In, not right here. About 15 times. Guess how many different meanings that word cosmos has in just John alone. The word cosmos has close to two dozen definitions. Yes. In Okay, in the context of... Or the word in, in the, the Greek. You know, when you're reading John yeah. in the context, how many different ways does John use cosmos he uses it 15 times how many different ways does he use it i haven't studied that i don't know 11 different ways some people say 13 so this word world doesn't always mean every single person ever created or ever will be created it's not that's not what the word means i mean you you can look up in you know verse 14 and 15 and it gives you the context of what world is but even then like it's talking about just as no, Moses raised up the snake, so the son of man must be lifted up. And so, you know, when Moses raised up the snake, not everyone looked at the snake. Yep. Some people died. Some people looked up. So, is it what? What's world here? Is it talking about just those people that looked at the snake? You can look at it that way. Okay. Well, no one's going to be saved other than those people way back thousands of years ago. Or you can look at it that okay, there's particular people that will look at the snake. There's particular people that will not look at the snake and die from their snake wounds. So there's that. But John 3.16, like it has nothing on Calvinism. Yeah, God did love the world. He did love people. And I would translate it that God loved the particular people. But even if we, like if we put it as everybody, then for God loved everybody in this way, he gave his one and only son so that Everybody in the world who believes in him. There's still who believes in him. So it's not everybody in the world because not everybody in the world believes. Yeah. So there has to be purpose to what you're arguing in John 3.16. is ridiculous and I don't know why people bring it up. There's better verses. I don't, I don't typically hear too many people bring up John 3.16 though. Some, some people do. Oh, but that whosoever, but. yeah, that whosoever, the point of it, there's other, like, things that there's other verses that say whosoever like in matthew 8 28 whosoever looks at a woman with lust you know who's committing a sin committing adultery with yeah. her heart already that word uh has pas mas blippo is what it is not pestuon this time and it's saying the people with the capacity to lust after her so not everyone has the capacity to lust after women and it's also has purpose only the people that purpose it. So if you're looking at a woman, like I could look at my mom. I'm not going to lust after my mom. No. Right? I don't have that capacity. But I have the capacity to do it with other women, right, that I'm not with. Yeah. Or even my wife. You know, there's plenty of things like that. Like, yes, men do lust, but we don't lust after every woman we see. There's an ugly woman. I don't lust after her. I don't think lusting out your wife, though, would I'm ever not, be considered. Well, that's not even an argument. I, but, yeah, it's like whosoever has meaning and that whosoever lusts after a woman 
is the same as the whosoever in John 3.16. But there's, there's better verses that we can go over, like, that say the word all. Like 1 Timothy 2.8, I think. Okay. It talks about an all, but I think limited atonement or particular atonement is hard to argue in the way that people put it, that Jesus Christ died for all. Because I love the Old Testament. I don't think, I want to say that. <laughs> people have Finished accused me of saying that the Old Testament is useless, basically. But I say no. Ooh. I say no. The Old Testament should be in the Bible. You've been the raised a Martian, aren't you? No. <laughs> I've had people accuse me of it. I don't believe that. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the Old Testament, we can learn a lot from it. It's reiterated a lot in the New Testament. You're talking about how the, like the laws and all that don't affect us because well, yeah, we're in a but new there's law. Thing, yeah, new there's covenant. things that we can take away from it, yep. but it's not a direct takeaway. So like, uh, what's that one that people use? Uh, he, he, he has It's something like he has good planned for me. It's it's like everyone's life first where oh, the, the I help me plans, prosper. Plans, yeah, plans to prosper and all that. Yeah. And then you go and read only a couple of verses later. And God says, I have the plan for the sword for you. And we know that there weren't verses and chapters in the whole Bible. So it's like, if you're taking that one verse, you got to take the other verse. But no one likes to read it. But that's what I'm saying. There's not yeah. all the times direct correlations. There's things we can learn from. So we don't think the direct correlation is that God is going to personally bring us a sword. He was talking to Israel at that time. But there are things that we can learn from it. Well, even God then, does even... want good for you know, the ones who love him. Well, Obviously, even then, it says it in the New Testament. Like, the whole Bible is about Christ, so both Old and New Testament are just one yeah. big story. Yeah. But one unfolding story. Yeah. And my whole point of that, of the Old Testament, is if we look at high priest, right, or priest in general in the Old Testament, you know, Jesus refers to himself as the great high priest, right? He's the one who's doing all this. Yeah. So if we look at that, whenever a priest would sacrifice something— for someone's sin, their sin's forgiven, right? Mm-hmm. So the priest goes out to accomplish something, and he gets it accomplished. So if we look at Christ and we say, Christ is the great high priest, he died for every single person. He was the ransom, right? It, Paul puts it that way. He was the ransom for many. Yeah. Okay? So if he was the ransom, and he paid the ransom, there's only two ways to look at it. That, well, there's three. But... Either Christ paid a ransom, a real ransom, and it's paid. It's over with. Christ sacrificed something, and he will get the thing that he accom- that he's going to accomplish, right? If he's sacrificing for our sins, our sins are forgiven. Okay? Or he sacrificed for our sins, and some people's sins aren't forgiven. So he's not a very good high priest, if we're going to put it that these alls throughout the Bible mean every single person. And if he paid the ransom... But he didn't really pay the ransom because some people are in hell. So you can either be a universalist and say he paid the ransom and the ransom's for everybody. Or you can be someone who has election and say he paid the ransom for a particular people and those particular people will be saved. Another way of looking at it is, well, he paid the ransom, but someone's, but you got to choose the ransom. Well, that's not how it works. That's not how ransoms work. It's not like I go to someone who's ransoming my, captures my daughter, and I 
pay the ransom. And then I say, okay, well, only if she wants to come back to me. And then my daughter stays. That's not how ransoms work. You pay the ransom, they give you the person. Yeah. It's a bad example because sometimes you could pay the ransom and they could keep the person and ask for more ransom. But the point stands. Either the ransom's paid or it's... Uh, how would you say that? Or it's a... It's like something you can look forward to. It's like a, a potential. It's yeah. a potential ransom paid. So that's the two ways of looking at it. I've had this discussion with a lot of people, and no one ever agrees with me on the potential ransom because it sounds bad. It is bad, but that's what you believe if you believe that Jesus died for every single person in the world. If he paid a ransom, and he paid it for every single person in the world, everyone's going to heaven, no matter what. Or he paid the ransom for particular people in the world, and those particular people are going to heaven. Now, if you want to explain it, like I said, the... Jesus paid for every single person in the world, but not everyone's going to heaven. Then he's bad at paying ransoms. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Uh, <laughs> like it's, it's ridiculous. I, I just don't get... And people try to worm their way out of it and get mad at me and stuff. But I'm just like, I don't... If you're being honest with yourself, how do you get out of that? Like, do you have any arguments for that? If I came up to you and said, well, you know... Did Jesus really pay for our sins, or did he just potentially pay for our sins? What would you say? I don't know. Well, a lot of people Probably. say, well, obviously he really paid for our sins. Well, yeah, but if, I'm, if, I, if I was trying to debate a Calvinist, You would have know, to I change the Bible? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I would have to study it so I could actually articulate it and actually know the, the context of the things I'm using. Okay, okay. Because well, there's even things in there that are still questionable. Okay, well, let me, I'll give you an example. You have your Bible up on there? I mean, I have a phone. Okay, go to 1 Timothy 2, and I think it's verse 8, is where we can kind of start it, but then we'll read back for context. 1 Timothy. Yeah. I don't even know where that's at anymore. Got the Bible drill just right out of there. Thessalonians. Is it like 2.15? It's not 2.15. Yeah, 2. Is it? No, 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 8. Yes, there is a 2.15. Wait. You're just... 2.8? Yes. Well, you said eight. I was like, "There's no chapter eight. Oh, I said two eight. I, I was don't like, "There's know no, the there's no chapter." You're messing with my head. You say eight. Well, you mm-hmm. want me to read it? Yeah, I am writing you a new cov, a new command. It's true that what? It's truth. Timothy. Yeah. Two eight. Oh, I'm still in John. I, I can read. It didn't change. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Also, the women are to dress themselves modestly. Am I in the wrong? How did well, I do this? I also ah, want to dress women modestly. There we go. Timothy 2.1. And ah, you read until I verse, urge. So you read it to 7. We're going so. all the way. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. He wants all people to be saved and to come to an to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Yes. Okay. That's Paul. So you can kind of see where people get this right so uh 
Let's see, where was the first one? Okay, Four. so the first, well, the first all. So uh, in verse 2, for kings and all those who are in authority so that we may lead quiet and tranquil lives in all godliness. All right. So just my argument, just for the little, the first little part. You can agree, disagree, it's fine. We'll see where the, where the theology goes here. So Peter is telling, or Paul is telling Timothy these things, right? He's saying, pray for all these people, right? He says, pray for everyone in verse 1. Yeah. In verse 2, this is all one, one big thing. There's no verse breaks in the original text, right? So pray for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority. Why would he say pray for everyone and then say pray for kings and all those in authority? Would you have an answer for that? No. Okay. One, one argument is that, okay, well, I would say to people, pray for everyone. And then if I know that the person dislikes basketball players, I would say, oh, yeah, also pray for basketball players, right? Yeah. You're just reminding people, like, even though you hate these people, pray for these people. Okay. I, I, can, I can get behind that. You know, Paul's in prison at the time, and he's telling Timothy, also pray for kings and those in authority, because the kings and the ones in authority are the ones who are persecuting him, right? Okay, that's fine. Let's keep it as everyone, okay? And he's just adding on to this. I would, I would say that he is distinguishing. He is giving kinds of men, types of men. There are also these types of men. So pray for everyone and these types of men, okay? But we'll, we'll stick with everyone. And he's just adding on, okay? So this is good and pleases God our Savior. Here's the verse. Who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? Okay. No verse breaks. So that everyone in verse 4 is also the everyone in verse 2. So he wants everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of truth. Every single person ever born, ever created, that's where we've established it, everyone. It means everyone has no distinctions, all right? So for there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus himself, human, okay? So one, one God, one mediator, okay? So Christ mediates for us. So my question would be, does Christ mediate for the unsaved people? Some people, you have to say yes. If you establish that this one and this everyone, the verse is flowing, the context is all flowing together, it means the same. So this everyone means Christ mediates for everyone. So we got a bad mediator here already. Because he doesn't save everybody. We've already know this. We aren't universalists. So he doesn't save everybody. So he's a bad mediator. And this brings us back to the priesthood. That's what they were. They were mediators. Okay? So he's a bad mediator. That's what, that's what the people who say all. That everyone and all these mean all. I would say, well, he's obviously a mediator between a certain group of people. Because I've already established up top, my translation is a certain group kinds different kinds of people kings authorities different kinds okay so we have these two things two translations going on if they're both truthful they have to stay in the same lane so we have the one my translation where it's kinds of men and therefore when he says the mediator who does he mediate between god and humanity well you have to say all humanity i say only the ones who are the elected right so i'm staying over here everyone else says okay he he mediates for everyone bad bad mediator can't do it Christ is sad. Christ can't fulfill what he's saying he's going to fulfill. Okay? So verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all 
He gave himself a ransom for everybody over in one case, gave a ransom for an elect few in the other case, okay? A uh, testimony at the proper time, then it goes on to Peter, or Paul, talking about him being an apostle. Okay, so the ransom, again, we already went over ransom, but the ransom, he paid for every single person ever. You're a universalist now. <laughs> you have to change the context if you're going to say that up in the earlier parts of the verse that everyone's means every single person. It doesn't mean kinds. It means everyone. Christ is a mediator for everyone. Christ is a ransom for everyone. Okay? Just in this verse. And, you know, you can add on the, well, it's God paid for everyone, but we have to choose. Okay. Okay, you can add that on later. But just in this passage, you have to say that Christ is a ransom for all. And ransoms are paid. And he either paid the ransom or he didn't pay the ransom can't be a between my translation my interpretation he's a mediator between the elect there's kinds of men and therefore right here the ransom is a ransom for not all is in everybody but all is in the ones that will believe the elect all right so it's you know it's very easy right here uh if he yeah i already went over that so then we we can there's more verses that support it and build upon each other. And we can kind of figure out, you know, like the ransom and the inter- the mediation and stuff. Like Hebrews 7.24, I think, talks about the mediator and who Christ actually mediates for. Obviously, it's saying Christians in Hebrews 7.24. And then you go into Romans 8.31, and it says, Who is the ransom paid for? And it's paid for the ones who will believe. So... And that's all I, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, or at least Luke wrote Hebrews, and it was one of Paul's sermons or something like that. But that's all Paul, and he's given us all the explanations, and we can look through it out throughout the Bible. And I think it just it tears apart the, the man-choosing thing, where we have this free will, and we can choose. But the rest of the Bible says, no, you don't. That Christ does all these things. And there's... A particular people that Christ died for, not for every single person ever. And I just, sometimes, I go in circles with people, and I don't know how you would argue after, you know, hearing the things. I know how people would argue, because I've argued it with people, and usually it comes down to, you have to change some part of the translation. In the middle of a verse, you have to say, well, this verse isn't talking about every single person. This verse is talking about only ones who believe. But it's usually a verse or two away from the verse that they were just arguing, it means everyone. And so either context flows or Paul was writing and expected everyone to know when he changed the context. And like I said, this Jewish Eastern mentality of going throughout the Bible and saying that there is chosen, there are particular people, this is how a Jew thinks because all throughout the Old Testament there was a particular and chosen people, then it leads us to there's still a particular and chosen people. I mean, God didn't save a bunch of Gentiles in the Old Testament, did he? <laughs> mainly, I mean, it was mainly Jews. I mean, that's all we really hear about. You want to say Melchizedek, but okay, well, yeah, but you <laughs> gave me one example. <laughs> but that that proves that there were people outside of that that still yeah. received salvation. Yes, but not near as many as we hear about in the New Testament, or well, yeah. even now. I mean, well, yeah, you aren't but, Jews, but, but the Old Testament was specifically a story based around the chosen people yeah so of course we would hear their story not yeah. 
because that's why we don't see anything about Melchizedek other than like two chapters in the Bible. But because in the New Testament, we're grafted in. Yeah, they weren't grafted in back in the Old Testament. It said nothing about grafting in the the Gentiles. I'm not saying that some Gentiles weren't saved. Yeah, I'm just saying. Do you think they didn't have that opportunity then? Well, is. No, I think they did. Okay. I think the Jews didn't do good on what they were supposed well, to do. I, I would the say Jews even I would even were, say that even the Jews in Old Testament, some of them just absolutely weren't saved. They may have been his people, but they there wasn't salvation. No, no, no. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I think the I Bible mean, yes, is pretty there were clear Jews in the Old Testament who were saved, but there were Jews that. But we can weren't. see throughout the whole Bible that God always has a certain group of people. That's. I distinguish between loves. I would say that that God loves has a salvific out. love for the Jews. He didn't have a salvific love for, I don't know, the people in China. Back in the Old Testament, we hear nothing about them. Well, we hear some, I guess you could say, Asia. Yeah. But, you know, that that's the thing, I think, is what it comes down to, is people don't differentiate between different types of love that God has for us. God has a salvific love for those that he saves, right? Yeah. If he has that same love... For everybody, then those people in hell, he failed. He didn't do what his love was set upon. If his love is set upon you and he says, I want to save you, and you end up in hell, then will God be sad? Is God going to be sad that he couldn't save well, someone? I, I, do, I think there are different levels of love. Yeah. Um, well, it's pretty obvious. I, I want to I go as far to say that God hates, or at least in the term some people might use hate, like an unbeliever. But I would say that he loves his children more than what you would call his enemy because technically like when he's talking to the uh, the pharisees and i forgot when it was but uh you know he's like you know you speak you speak lies you speak the language of your father his natural language is lies because he's the first so it's speaking of satan so it's like yes you are a child of satan until Mm -hmm. or if or for whoever which that that takes you into total depravity part of total depravity it's not near as much but yeah it's that's why that's why people argue with Calvinism, because they think they can see chinks in the armor. Like, oh, well, if I, if I don't get him on limited atonement, I can get him on total depravity, because it, tie, it all ties in. The whole point of Calvinism and TULIP, as people like to go after just the letters TULIP and argue against it, all that was done because of semi-Pelagianism, because of Arminianism. Arminianist came up with another acronym— do you know what that acronym is? I heard it. I heard it. I don't remember yeah. it. No one remembers because no one cares. I haven't done because, this much. Yeah, because the world loves that. Would the world? If I came up to you and you weren't saved and I said, Jesus loves you and all you got to do is say a little prayer and you're going to heaven. Would well, you not love that? And then you can go. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> then you can go and I don't even care about you. That you gets into the sinner prayer, somebody. which I would very much debate. Yeah. That is just. But. But, like 1% salvation in there. But that's what I'm saying is people say, well, it, it gets rid of uh, evangelism. I can't go tell people that Jesus oh, loves because, them. Oh, oh because, because it's somebody's predestined? Is no, that what you're referencing? No, no. Well, well, so what I know someone people use would say is like, you know, people would go out to evangelize, not a Calvinist, okay? Yeah. Would go out and evangelize and tell someone that, no, Jesus loves you. Even though you did this, Jesus loves you. They say, I can't say that anymore because I don't know. Because what if Jesus doesn't love them? Well, why? When have you ever heard an apostle, while they were doing evangelism, say, Jesus loves you? They said, repent and believe. They didn't try to figure out who's elect, if you want, because that's what people think Calvinists do. 
to try to figure out who's the yeah, last. That's only we extreme, don't know. That's isn't why that extreme, uh, extreme Calvinist? Yeah, it's, it's an extreme version where they don't right. do anything because they're if saved and if God you're destined, saved. you're destined. Yeah, type but stuff. I mean, throughout the Bible, of course, Jesus tells them to go out and do this. Yeah, and so it's you know it's that's ridiculous side of Calvinism, and not there's not a lot of Calvinists like that. Okay, I want to get on. Okay, so the P is that the parents of the saints? Yes. Okay, so. Let me see. Uh, don't ask me a lot about Tulip because I don't know a lot about Tulip. Well, I'm just, you know it more than me. So is it, does the P stand for yeah, the person, pers- which, pers- which is the topic of the Lunar Salvation, which I'm not really getting into. But then you go to the I, which is irresistible grace. Mm-hmm. How do those two not con- contradict each other? Well, like, what like, are you thinking so, perseverance means? So we're talking about losing salvation. Or, or okay, first off, perseverance of saints is just kind of stupid. But, okay. I'm just saying, because it's not you who perseveres, it's Christ who lives in you. Yes. That's why you don't lose salvation. But that gets into a bunch of other topics. I but think... then... Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. No, say it! No, I think, I think you're falling into the same trap that everyone falls into. No, I'm you're asking. Assume, but, no, but you even... You just can't, you just said, but that gets into Christ as the one who perseveres. No, because perseverance think... of the saints is about losing salvation. I understand that topic. No, 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 no I get that. It's not really... Yeah, it is. It's saying it's, that those who are saved will persevere to the end because they are saved. That yes. means they won't lose their salvation. That's saying that when Paul says they left us because they were never of us, because if they didn't, because uh, they may be, have left us because they were, weren't of us. Or, but that would be false conversion, not even no, no, not no. even losing your salvation. No, that verse you but when you up. say persevere to the saints, you're mm-hmm. saying that the person is the one persevering, not the, the person who saved you, essentially. The proof. I, I just don't like it. that that it's phrase, the, anyways. But I understand it. You're arguing with the wrong guy if you don't I'm just, like the phrase. I'm just clarifying. But no, I'm saying so. Then I is irresistible grace. Mm-hmm. So this is so irresistible grace. From what I understand, is that point of salvation, or I guess it wouldn't be salvation from Calvinist point just of go view. Go ahead. Like regeneration. Like leading up to that salvation, and then regeneration. Regeneration, and you get saved. Mm-hmm. So then, when it that would be justification. Okay, but. Does that irresistible grace continue on, like, throughout your life, I guess? You could look at it that way. But, but, the, but if that would, that would cancel out the perseverance of saints, would it not? Because no, 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 then no. it would be... I think you're misunderstanding of what perseverance of the saints I just think you means. need to throw one of those out. Just there. But I already told you just, why, the no, seven no, I'm were, just saying. why the five were come up with. It's to battle Arminianism. No, no, I'm not... I'm not which I don't ever hear anyone arguing the Arminius topic. I don't argue either side, yeah, actually. Because it makes no sense. But anyways, that's why Calvinism is so popular, because everyone knows it, because it's true. But, so, the, <laughs> Bold pers- the perseverance of the saints, okay? And irresistible grace. So how could they coincide, is what you're saying? Essentially. How- okay, so, perseverance of the saints. All it is, is proof of salvation. Right, like you were saying, the ones who are in Christ are going to persevere. It's not saying that we're the ones persevering. Obviously, it's saying Christ is the one keeping us to persevere. Right? Yeah. Okay. Irresistible grace, or there's another way to put it, but irresistible grace. Okay. That is where, if if you're an elect, right, and God says, okay. Now's the time that I'm going to save him. Now's the time that he is going to accept me as Christ, right? Then God sets his grace upon you. And you can't resist it, so it leads to that, rege- that yes. salvation. It's, and a lot of people think it's a forceful thing that God's holding the gun to your head. No, no, no. Because God is, this whole time God's been, you know, he sets his 
irresistible grace on you. You start regenerating. So God gives you a heart so you can actually accept him, right? So he's changing your nature is the whole point of it, that we all had a nature of sin, and God is changing your nature to want the things of God. So we're saying that if God doesn't do that, you can't accept him. If God doesn't change your heart, you can't accept him. So there's something that happens before I even say, oh, forgive me of my sins, God, and you know, you say your version of the sinner's prayer, I guess is the easiest way to put it. I don't like the sinner's prayer either, but um, for convenience sake. It's God's regenerating you. So before you're saved, God starts his regeneration process because you have to be somewhat regenerated to even accept him. You have a heart of stone. You have to have a heart of flesh, all right? And once you have that heart of flesh, of course you're going to keep on persevering. It makes no sense because you aren't the one who started it. And you aren't the one okay, who's going to finish it, and you aren't the one who's going to do it. I have all a throughout. question about that. So, Irresistible grace is a is kind of like a one time thing. No, I wanted but it to get that. Forever. I wanted to get that because they sound somewhat like you need to throw one of them out. But but I haven't I, studied enough to I know think that. It's because but it, it the sounds, perseverance of the saint sounds it, like it's the saint. It's like who's that the sound, one. You throw one of them out. That's what it sounds like. But it's I haven't studied that, that enough. The saint is going to person. That was just a question. I didn't know. But shoot, now I lost my train of thought. Uh, when you say heart of stone, so do you believe that this is interesting? Okay, mm-hmm. I guess I I haven't studied the whole phrase, the heart of stone to heart of flesh thing. Mm-hmm. It's in Isaiah, I think. I haven't read Isaiah then because I haven't studied. I have it somewhere <laughs> in here. Anyways, I haven't studied, so I don't know the full context or anything. But at least from the outside looking in, do you think that doesn't apply to sanctification? Because when I think about that, I think about you know when you go from the point of not sal- not being saved, then you have salvation or what you would call regeneration. But we're going to say salvation, and then no, 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 no. Salvation is justification. So it goes, it goes, regeneration. You got to just flow with me for five seconds. It goes, regeneration, <laughs> salvation, and or justification, then sanctification. Okay, go ahead. Okay, let me continue. Okay, you go from not being saved mm-hmm. to the point of salvation, mm-hmm. and then the rest of your life till you die, and yada, yada, yada. So the way I see heart of flesh and heart of stone, so you have a heart of flesh referencing the, the non-believer, the wickedness, the no, sinner. No, that's the good. Harder stone. Harder stone is the bad. I just said harder stone. You didn't. Yes, I did. Play it back. I just said. No, I okay, said harder stone. So you have the harder stone mm-hmm. at the 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 past self or the the dead self. Yes. The wickedness. Then the process because because upon salvation you have the, at the point of salvation uh, that salvation occurs. That's the point where the Holy Spirit you are filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit causes sanctification. Mm-hmm. which continues to the rest of your life. Okay. At that point, it's turning your heart of stone to a heart of flesh. I would say it's not just turning that heart into flesh instantly. Rather, it's a process. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. I think the only thing with that idea <laughs> is that that means that you still have your sin nature. That's the whole point of the heart of flesh, heart yeah. of stone thing. So you're saying... I'm still under the well, will of... No, no, wait, wait. You're saying I still am under like the will of Satan. No, I get it. You're not a slave to am, sin. You're no, no, no. a slave to Christ or a, you're a servant. A slave, but you're still a slave to sin mostly, but you're only partially a slave to Christ. It's a thing where he has to make you a heart of flesh before you can even become saved because I think sanctification, it's... It's that, the process of being made yes, holy. It's, yeah, it's getting you ready for heaven. That's all sanctification is. Yeah. But... It's like, you know, of course we still sin. I think that it's obvious, but the reason we still sin isn't because 
we still have a heart of stone, it's because we still have a body. We're still flesh, right? We yeah, aren't... But, but it even says we'll have other, like, we'll have fleshly bodies. Yes. But, but we don't have our fleshly new body, do we? Not no. yet. No. And that's where I take a lot of problems with some other things, the evangelicals, the, what did, what did I call them? The, not Protestant. Pentecostal. Uh, Pentecostals, yeah. Because they think we should have our new bodies now. Yeah. But anyways. But we, yes, we still have our flesh. We will be given new flesh. That's fine. We still are in our flesh. That's why we sin. Not because our heart of stone, which is a picture of where our will is at, okay? If our will is in Christ, and Paul goes through this whole thing where he says, I I want to do certain things, and I can't quote it. It's in Romans. He says, I want to do certain things. I think Romans 4. I want to do certain things, but I don't do them, right? I want to do stuff for Christ, but I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I do. So the bad things that I don't want to do, I still do them. And Paul's explaining it, saying that even though I am being sanctified, I still do bad things. So even though he has a heart of flesh, and his desires are pointed towards Christ, and he wants to do things for Christ, he still has flesh that still causes him to sin. It's not that I have this, I'm under the will of Satan, and that's why I sin, and I only do good things when God turns my heart of stone into a heart of flesh just a little bit more. It's not a process. God makes you a heart of flesh. He, he, that's what it, the verse is saying, that you, you have a heart of stone, it's all stone, and then God makes you a heart of flesh and transplants it. Not that this heart of stone is slowly, like, uh, what's that movie with the dragon egg where it's slow, you won't picture it. I'm picturing it now, but where it's slowly like melting away. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about your heart of stone is slowly melting away. It's saying that God is yanking that heart of stone out of you and putting in a heart of flesh. It's a transplant, not a process. That's why regeneration is a processing word, you know, something that is going on. But in our time, you would think of it as, I think David, whenever he was on my podcast, explained it good. He might not explain it on the podcast, but whenever we were sitting down, he said that, you know, I I, don't, I didn't know the exact point that I got saved, but he said, but I slowly started to want to learn about Christ, and then eventually I was saved. So yeah. he had this he had this passion to start learning about Christ. That's the regeneration part. God is making you come towards him, and then you're saved. Boom, heart of flesh. He's regenerating you. He's giving you, well, you already had the heart. But whenever he starts regenerating you, you already have the heart of flesh. And then all you're waiting for is justification. So you're you're looking, you're going forward in the process. And it could be a couple of seconds. You could be at a church service and say, wow, that message hit different. Okay, you're, you have that heart of flesh. Now you have to go get justified. That's why we distinguish the process of salvation. I'm just where throwing it's, stuff out there. It's... It's regeneration has to happen first in Calvinism. In Arminianism and Pelagianism, yeah, regeneration can happen after. But in Calvinism, regeneration has to happen first, then it's justification, then it's sanctification. In Pelagianism, it can be justification, then regeneration, then salvation, which it doesn't make any sense. Well, the only reason I brought that up is because the whole heart, going from heart of stone to heart of flesh— sounds incredibly similar to Matthew 7. It's like verses 15 through 20 where it's talking about the good tree and the bad tree. Where okay. it's talking about 
you know, the bad tree produces bad fruits, mm-hmm. and then the good tree produces good fruits, and then the bad tree can't produce the good fruits, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah. That sounds a lot like the process all the way through your life of salvation, should I say, right. going from dead all the way to when you die. Well, isn't it talking your... about two different fruits, though? So you're saying No, no, that... it's talking about the, the bad fruits, so essentially uh-huh. it's like a bad tree, you being yeah. unsaved, producing fruits that are mm-hmm. pointless, then essentially the good fruit, which is the good tree... Okay. Producing the good fruits, but so, it's talking about two separate trees. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Then, but I, what I'm the way I yeah. even when I read that, mm-hmm. I think even as a, a believer, someone who's saved, you're not essentially the good tree. You're in the process of being the good tree. Okay, that's how I read that. So then that makes me immediately think of the heart of flesh, heart of stone, and I how they seem to be it, very similar. I think I would read it a little bit different. I think I would read it more as, because the... So you would say, bad, you would say that, right on gen, regeneration, you're the good tree. Yeah, I would say you're the good tree, okay. and you would start producing good fruit. Yeah. That when you become, because you're the bad tree, you become the good tree, all your bad fruit falls off, and then you start making your good fruit. Okay. Because when you first get saved, it's like the man on the cross, he didn't have any fruit. <laughs> he got saved and he died. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, but he was a good tree. Some people may bring up baptism, but <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if I want to get into that one. That stuff makes maybe me it was mad. raining. <laughs> yeah, it was raining. That's when a new get... interpretation. I got I love that one. <laughs> no, no I, I, it's just you know, I, have, I haven't ever read Isaiah. I have yet to get there, so I haven't gone good. through the heart think, of stone. I don't know. I, That's just how I see it. I, I I get what you're saying. I just think I think in that verse it's talking about two separate trees just like the well, I, soils I, just like the soils thing where it's well, yeah. talking about different people not you threw this seed on good soil or you threw the seed on bad thorny soil then you picked up the seed and you threw it on uh dry soil and then you picked up the seed and then you threw it on good well, soil it's because of what it it's means so you couldn't that it's, that interpretation wouldn't work but exactly but it doesn't tell me if i'm getting it wrong but doesn't in that verse talking about the trees doesn't it say the bad tree will be thrown in the fire uh, I can't remember. I know it's later on. It talks about how the the thorns, because the bad tree produces mm-hmm. thorns, will be thrown in the fire. Okay. It so, might. It might but, say that. I can't remember. But it. then I would say then it was talking about. I mean, essentially, if it stayed a bad tree, technically, yes. I, I think. I think if I tried to exegete that verse, then I would say it's two totally separate trees, not talking about a process, but talking about you're in the midst of one one person is saved, one person is unsaved, and this is what happens to them. Okay. This is how you would see them. I wouldn't say that it's one person and it's showing... Well, when I see the good tree, I think sides. of perfection. And, I, and I, like us as believers, we want to be perfect. Yeah. Rather, we are seen as righteous in the eyes of Christ. Yeah, we're seen righteous, and that's the only reason we can do good things. So, which, I mean, yeah. I but mean, we've that's basically the, gone through all the, the tulip, haven't we? Except for total depravity, that's the only one we didn't go through. You're dead in your trespasses. Trespasses. What? What Would y'all use that verse? You're dead in your trespasses and sins. Yeah. Okay. No. How how would a person who doesn't believe in that use that verse? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how you're exegeting anything. I don't know. Obviously, you know how I'm exegeting. I went. We went through a couple verses how I exegeted them. Oh. No, I I think. I don't know. I think people give Calvinists a hard time because we like original language so much because we want to know what the original audience would understand, which is like, I saw a shirt. I think I told you about that where it was somebody, uh, what's that one guy's name? Uh, the one with the glasses. You sent me one of his videos on YouTube, <laughs> the preacher guy. 
But Jeff? No, it's no. not Jeff. But anyways, he has a shirt that he sells, and it's uh, oh, Greek no. isn't the original. The Greek inspired isn't language? a uh, isn't a good hermeneutic or something. Greek isn't the holy hermeneutic, and that was his shirt because a lot of people will say Calvinism. They love Greek so much, and that's their only hermeneutic. Which obviously we take in context. We take in the original language, which I think it's stupid if you don't. But it, it's just crazy because sometimes, like I said at the theology roundtable podcast, people sometimes the there was a thing I was listening to, and they were getting on to Calvinists for using original language in a certain verse. I think it was John three sixteen. Well, yeah, but and then a couple minutes later. They're like, well, we have to look at the Greek in this verse. And it's like, well, why? Why? Because it doesn't, in English, it doesn't sound like it should for your view. So people will pick and choose when they want to use Greek, when it's good for them. Where I think Calvinists, we have to look at it and we have to be consistent with how we look at it. Because some people will interpret John 3.16 or 1 Timothy 2, 8 or 4 sorry, and Hebrews 7.34 and Romans 8.31, and they'll interpret them. But when they interpret them, they're using different interpretations for each one. So yeah. they'll, they'll look at one and say, well, I can interpret it this way, and then because of what I believe in another verse, I have to interpret it a different way, where they won't be consistent, where you're saying, well, world... Every single time in the Bible means world. That's what world means. Well, let's take that and use it somewhere else. Obviously, it doesn't mean world or else we'd all be saved or else we'd all be dead. It's like there's a bunch of ways where it's like, no, be consistent. And I think that's that's kind of why I became a Calvinist because Calvinism and Calvinist are consistent in the way that they interpret the Bible. Some things disagree with... Uh, the way maybe a Calvinist would love it to be, like total depravity. Some verses, it's like, okay, on the surface, in English, it looks very bad. It's like, okay, this does not go with total depravity. And then you interpret the verse, and it's like, no. Either, number one, it doesn't have anything to do with total depravity, or number two, yes, it is total depravity. And I think Calvinism is are the best ones at using hermeneutics consistently because you find a lot of times the best uh, the best apologist when fighting other christians or other religions are usually calvinist like james white obviously have you, if you've ever heard james white and leighton flowers argue leighton flowers is a semi-pelagian as a he person. actually i know he used to be a calvinist and he got out of it that's what he says Okay, it, that's his claim. I find okay, it very I interesting. A lot of the people I that say I used to be a Calvinist usually misunderstand what Calvinism is. No, I, I agree. There's a I've I've listened to like just trying to do a, a basic study of like tulip. I've listened yeah. to dozens of different podcasts, like Christian podcasts, or whatever, going through the the five tulip five explanations, and they've done a very crappy job. Yeah, I'm well, like even from my basic view, y'all just suck at this. I think I it, think it's like you didn't put effort into it. Yeah, you have to be. Because on the surface, like, I could explain Tulip to you on the surface and say, you said, okay, I'm becoming a Calvinist right here. And then you try to go and explain something on the surface to someone, it'll sound like you're preaching heresy because it's hard to explain and you have to get through people's preconceived ideas of it. 
Like if yeah. I just said perseverance of the saints and irresistible grace, obviously you had a problem with it and you thought it's That was just a question I wanted to bring up but, but because saying, I assumed I had it wrong. But I'm saying even like with limited atonement, people are like, well, that's evil. God died for everyone. No, no, he didn't. I Let me show you. But people never want to get past that point. They're all saying, well, John 3.16. And then say, no, the all means all, no matter what. Well, that's English. Yes. All doesn't always mean all in English. The only, everyone doesn't always mean everyone in going English. Going back to that, like the only issue with that, like first off I said, even even whatever John 3.16 means, like in the end you could be wrong or right, whatever. Yeah. Whatever it means, I still don't think that's the the end-all, beat-all, I think. Every single topic in Scripture is referenced multiple times, and it's building blocks of a single topic. Yes, I, be, I believe that too. But So like even when you get into that loser salvation, there are a lot of references to losing salvation that people don't know. Yes, but I think so that... So you don't look at one, you look at all. No, so, I'm not... I'm not so arguing. I wouldn't just say John 3.16, I would say this and that. I'm not arguing that, but I think if you can't take the immediate context and the immediate uh, interpretation of that verse, then... Yeah. And, you have to, and you have to go and say, well, what about this verse? Then I think you lost. Like, I've had people that do that, and I'll bring up a verse, and I'll say, I want to stay in this verse. Because if you can exegete it and say it means what you say it means, then we can move on to a verse. But if I say it means something, and then you have to pull no, no, out some no, other no, verse. I, I know what you're saying, and I agree with that. I'm just saying, if if you get to that verse, and you, mm-hmm. you get the definition, and you go somewhere else, and it's opposite, mm-hmm. well, then... If it's kind of like you didn't even put it work into it yeah, to but you, understand this concept. Yeah, I'm not saying that about you. I'm just saying no, in general I, whether I you're debating you're for or against it. I get like, what you're saying because some people are like the lose your salvation or not lose your salvation, right? Those people, you know who I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, lose salvation. Like some people will go in and say, well, this verse says you can lose your salvation. This verse says you can't lose your salvation. And like you said, you have to take a bunch of things, but it's also like you don't count them up. Like six verses say you can, five verses say you can't, so obviously you can't. It's like, no. They have to meld together. There can't be a contradiction or else God's a liar. So it's like those six verses that say you can, you're exegeting them wrong. Or you're exegeting the five that say well, you yeah, can't. Well, yeah, can't, you can't run into any contradictions yeah. at all because so there's if, an issue with you. Yeah, so if there's a contradiction or if you have to interpret the different verses in a different way to make them fit your point, then you're wrong. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I heard somebody talking about losing your salvation, and he said, it's another podcast I listen to, my brother-in-law's. And he said, not my brother-in-law, but his friend, he said, I believe that you could lose your salvation because of this verse. And he, forget the exact verse, but it was, uh, uh, what was the gist of it? Where, oh, they went out from us because they were never of us. Something we already discussed, right? Why would you use that for losing salvation? No idea. No idea. But he was saying, so he said, you know, that they will perform, I think that's the verse, that they will perform... uh, Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders, which I think is in Revelation, well, wait, it's, in my name. And then he said, so if all these people are performing these things, what a Christian would do in his name, and then he says, depart me from me, I never knew you, he said, then that's, you can lose your salvation. And so my brother-in-law came back, and he said, and he said, well, well, tell me, tell me what you told me, because the guy changed his mind based on my brother-in-law's verse. My brother-in-law oh man, I wish I could remember the no, verse. No, I, know what you're, I know what you're else. referencing. You're referencing John... Uh, Seven twenty nine or okay. thirty, right? Where it, where it says, um, "Did we not come to prophesy? Did we not prophesy in your name, mm-hmm. heal in your name, teaching you, do all these things?" And then Jesus or God says, it's "In Revelation twenty two, I thought that was it. Might be it probably is, but there, there's one like that, and, it, okay. and it's in John seven, and it says, you know, uh, go go away from or be gone from me because I never knew you. Mm-hmm. You know, get it." Yeah. 
but I, yes. I, I've seen people reference that, and I'm like, you you didn't use any of the context around the verses. Well, I, I don't even know how. But I, I yeah, the one ex- you're yeah, you would have to exegete it really weird and different from how you exegete everything else just to make your point that you can lose your salvation. But uh, my brother-in-law went on to say, here's how you can't lose your salvation, and it was some. So random- he switched. Right. Well, he he. My brother-in-law believes you can't. Oh, the yeah. other guy believed you. Yeah, could. your friend. Yeah. So my brother-in-law used some really weird verse. I'll probably remember it in a minute, and it had nothing to do with uh, what I would go with. Is something like uh, in John eight or nine, where it says that you know, oh, after, my sheep hear my voice. Is that oh, one? That's and then John he 10. says, okay, John ten, and then he says, and I hold them in my hand and my, the father holds me in his hand yeah. no one can snatch me out of the father's hand that would be my defense of it where it's here's your eternal security you can't get out and no one can get in to the father's hand so you're saved where the verse that the guy brought up i would say that's a false conversion verse in revelation 22 or john 7 yeah it's i don't know the revelation i would look at it but it's yeah. a false conversion or yeah, I, I mean, that's all I would say. It's no, a no, false conversion. It's I mean, not I losing could, your salvation. I can say that right now. Like, you could bring up any verse in the Bible, I, I, essentially. But first off, if it's not talking about salvation, you're not going to win a losing. or. Yeah. Uh, but you can bring up any verse Bible, that, and I could immediately... Because people... I could deconstruct it. Because you, you get... I know... One, I didn't... I mentioned... Because the last episode is one where I talked about losing salvation. And one of them I, I actually didn't talk about was... Um, and I can't remember where it is. Maybe you know where it is, but it's where, you know, you will be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay. I don't know. I think, I want to say it's Deuteronomy, but. I would imagine that would be in Revelation Lord 2. Because that's where all the names are. <laughs> well, like, that's, that's, I don't even have to look at the context and know what that's talking about. Because mm-hmm. if you understand what the word blot means, you understand it doesn't mean to remove. It, mm-hmm. it actually means to keep from adding. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I, did, I, I saw a really weird YouTube video about that. I'm like, I want, the guy why would you like, bring that up? Where the guy said. Once you're, that means your name was already written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and once oh, it was on Theology Roundtable. Uh, th- and this the is the worst weird, argument because it's pissed me off. Well, well, that goes that goes along with their theology, right? That Jesus died for everyone. So then they'll say, no, Jesus did pay the ransom for everyone. But once they reject him, their name's blotted out, and they can never get back. And then, in. We, and then we get so into a you, topic where it's like you can't even reject Christ because then exactly. that's the, that's the kingdom going against the kingdom itself, well, and even Satan doesn't do that. Well, if you reject like, Christ, then you. That's the unforgivable sin. You can never be saved again. So I for sure hope that all these people didn't say, I hate you, God, and I never want to be saved. All the people that maybe get mad or someone dies and that happens, and then a couple years later they're like, oh, I want to get saved because I actually love Christ now. Sorry, buddy. 16 years ago you said you didn't want Christ. Your name was already blotted okay. out. They can't go back Funny over story. it with a whiteout. Like a, a month or two before I got started t- uh, studying the lose salvation stuff, mm-hmm. I saw this TikTok, and it was this guy I follow. He was like, uh, uh, I guess a well a more well known popular TikToker Christian TikToker I guess okay. not like billions of followers or anything mm-hmm. but he was seeing yeah people were talking about the unforgivable sin and he was making the claim he's like the only person who can do the unforgivable sin is a believer Ooh, and then I good. got in and then and then I got in to lose salvation I was like you are incorrect you have no you, you, there's no base for you to stand on I was like why would you make a claim like that so without he's studying saying that it? the Pharisees were un, were believers. I never, I, that's, all, that's, who that's Jesus all I was saw. Talking I, I never looked into it more. He just he may have changed his mind. I hope he has because uh, yeah, that seems a little sketch. I, you, quite, it's like that's like only an unbeliever well, or only like a Mormonism do that. right there, where you can start to lose your salvation and you have to 
can keep you? on working it. Well, Mormon will teach you the workspace of it. Yes, I so know. So if you don't even do enough, you're yes, you're exactly. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, that that's weird because Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, <laughs> and that that's where I believe about the unforgivable sin that it can't ever happen again. It was a one-time thing, because, and that's all. Would you say it's because of Jesus specifically? No, like being here in the flesh. I I, would, I know that's one way. Well, I would say it. it's like uh, I think R.C. Sproul did it really good, and he said that you know a believer would never have to worry about that because they said because he said a true believer would never attribute the works of the devil to the works of Christ. He said yeah. because you're a believer, and if you did, then that means you can lose your salvation. And then we have to retranslate all the verses in the Bible that say you can't. So he said that's impossible, and so he said the only possibility is an unbeliever, and he said but. That means that if an unbeliever did that and then they wanted to get saved, well, it sucks to suck. Like you were saying, your name's blotted out already. You can't do it. Okay, I also want to say this. So I I forgot how exactly he explained it, but it was really good. If you look up R.C. Sproul's and the Unforgivable Sin, he has a I saw an argument and a guy was explaining the Unforgivable Sin. And I've always been, I'm still up in the air on exactly what it means. Mm -hmm. I've studied it, but then I kind of left it. In the open, and I saw this guy the other day, and he was talking about the unforgivable sin, and it, this was his interpretation that it's it, the unforgivable sin is still of I don't want to say available today, I okay, guess yeah. possible today, all right. But it's only someone who consistently denies Christ, consistently denies maybe like the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit pushing on you. But I don't. How many times? No, no, consistently. But how till many? the day you die. It doesn't matter if you did it once so you and have you to start it from, You just keep going. But what you time, consistently deny Christ. But what time do you have to start? That's where you come into these weird questions. About? Do I have to start denying Christ when I'm one years old and until I'm 90 years old, until I die? Or can it be... Are you I'm saying whether or not children can do that? No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying what if I'm 80 and I deny Christ for a year and I die at 81? Well, that would, that but would, I was, but I was saved before. Well, then you wouldn't have been able to do that, or at least if you did, it, wouldn't, that have, what it, it wouldn't have been the right context. But what I'm saying is, we see that with Peter if you say too. if he consistently denies Christ, you have to get there has to be some sort of timetable because you can't say, well, if you deny him for five years consistently till you die, or if you deny him for two months consistently till you die, or how how long do I have to consistently no, no, the, deny him? The way him? he was putting it was somebody who hasn't been saved; rather, they just it's a continual rejection. Okay, well then, so if, so if they already weren't, but if be, they already weren't saved, then why do we have to even have to add the unforgivable sin? Because then they want to have the redemption for salvation, right? But you, but so then, then just, you run into that. But it right? gets con- it gets confusing. That's the guy interpretation. Yeah. I was like, that's not bad. It's it's okay, but it. I don't think anywhere in that context. But I do. I knew the I, Pharisees did that. But when we get into that, then we talk about people doing the unforgivable sin in the end times. Well, and I'm like, that's incredibly questionable. I'm well, sorry. Well, because like the Pharisees who did it, right? The, yeah, the, the, group, hand, the certain group of... Yeah, then, the handful of them, if the guy's saying that you have to consistently deny him, that means that the guy's claiming that even after those Pharisees, that they consistently denied Christ. I assume they did, to be honest. Okay, okay. But, but it doesn't mean but, it proves that, I'm just saying. But it still sets up a timetable. Because <laughs> it's still, were they denying God before Jesus was around? No, they're Pharisees. Well, it seemed to immediately deny Jesus as Messiah on earth. Yeah, but are those the, but are those the same Pharisees that you know didn't like Jesus in his year one ministry? Because this is this is like at least 
the second year of his ministry when this happened. Yeah, I don't I don't know how deep in so can it he be was. Two, can, you only can deny Christ for two years. If you go over that, sorry, you entered unforgivable sin territory. But one year, you're okay. See, it, it just I don't know. It brings I don't up know. It's, it's a thing. But that would seem like a, you know, what I, you might call a hardening of the heart type thing. Well, I, I think that, that I think that it's not possible to have the unforgivable sin anymore. Yeah. Because that's saying that, uh, well, well, I don't know. How even I then, that. when you look at it, people are like, okay, the unforgivable sin was, and this seems to be somewhat true, was saying that Jesus had an impure spirit. What? An impure or an unpure spirit. What? But what, what, where are you getting that? What? Unforgivable sin. Jesus had an, uh, that's, an unclean no, spirit? That, no, no, that's what they're saying if you say that. Like, if that's oh. what you believe. If you say, oh, Jesus had an impure spirit, uh-huh. that's the unforgivable sin. I heard that on the but it was theological the table. They have some so good. I, I've they have seen, some good I've seen stuff. a few different different topics based around the, how the unforgivable sin plays. Okay. So I know some people are like, "Oh, only at that time." Other people are like, "Oh, and end times, it will be reavailable." Yeah, that's just on your schedule to, right to pull off. I'm like, which I, that, I I've that, also heard you could lose your salvation in the end time in tribulation. I said that just sounds absolutely incorrect. Well, there's some there's some people that believe that it's because then you say thing. like is the mark of the beast ever will sin? I would say that doesn't seem correct. But see, you get that's what I'm saying. Outside of Calvinism, you get into some weird stuff because well, even for a Calvinist point of view, they wouldn't ever say that because they aren't dispensationalists. No, 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 no. But you, if like from a Calvinistic point of view, if you're, if you're elected and you're destined right mm-hmm. because you're in the plan you know he, ch- he chose you from the, the foundations, foundations of, of the world, the world. yeah that's the bible then, then if if in in those end times that we're not in but if somebody if a calvinist a true calvinist or a true believer took the mark of the beast they, that mm-hmm. wouldn't lose salvation right yeah but a true believer never would that's the whole point that seems questionable it's an though, impossible it's question se- though that's because we I'm, can't know it no 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 no, no. i hate because we're going to be dead by then. <laughs> no, because it's an impossible question. It's like saying, it's like saying, can a true believer lose his salvation? It's an impossible question. It can never happen. Just like a a Christian. That's and, not that, that's not my question though. That's not an impossible question. Yes, because if you take the mark of the beast, you can't be. You're you're done. You aren't. So you're calling it an unforgivable sin. No, I'm saying that it's impossible for a Christian to do that. For a person that's elected, it's impossible for them to do that. That's what I'm saying. Because Which, if they did, they would lose they, the salvation. There's no if. If you're saying, you're, you're, if you're saying is, that it, you can I lose, I feel your, like you're avoiding the question. Because <laughs> I'm saying that Mark of the Beast doesn't seem to be an unforgivable sin. Okay. So then, if a believer took it, it doesn't mean and sure. If if you lost saying, your okay, salvation, because then that contradicts all sorts okay, of stuff. Okay, but you're, if you're saying that the Mark of the Beast isn't unforgivable then it's fine. Then, okay, sure. No, no. A Christian could no, no, take okay. It. Well, then you're talking about whether or not it would be a sin. I would say definitely because it's, it's well, talked not. about not getting it. And then, uh, what is it? Paul says, and I think it's Paul. I don't, it's beginning of Galatian where he says, I think it's beginning of Galatian where he says, uh, uh, should we continue to sin to abound in more grace? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you won't sin. It's like, you're not supposed to sin. Cut this yeah. out. Yeah. So if you so then you would reference that oh the mark of the beast would be a sin so clearly but is it a continuous avoid sin? it but uh, no I get what you're saying like could no, you I would say it? I I thought you were I thought you were saying that if you got the mark of the beast it's an unforgivable sin I'm saying it's and not that, I've heard okay. people say it okay. was and I'm like I don't but that's I don't all I'm agree. saying is if it's an unforgivable sin no a Christian an elect person could not do it yeah. if it is forgivable which 
it seems like it would be because it seems like blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the only unforgivable sin. So then, yes, a you would have to somehow that. align the mark of the beast with blasphemy of the Holy. Spirit. Well, you yes. would have to connect those which, with somebody else. Which I don't. Is, I'm sure some people a, have done it. There's a, well, there's a pretty good thing on that because the mark of the beast is technically a worshipful mark. It's worshiping the beast. You have to worship the beast to accept the mark. So it's like you're worshiping, let's just say, the devil instead of Christ, which would go good with a non-Christian with a true Christian, it wouldn't go very good. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. That one's, that's weird. I that's where I stand. I mean, to each your own. It, and that gets into end times events and what you believe about the end times. And so are Christians going to be around? Is this the end times? Did the end times happen 30 years ago? There's people that believe that kind of stuff. 30 years ago? Why 30 yeah. years ago? Did something know. happen 30 years ago that I don't know of? There's a lot of things that happened. I was just giving ago. a timetable. People oh. were just saying years ago, years ago it's already happened. Or it happened when Paul, or not Paul, John died. Oh, dude, After you, John died, got, it happened. You got people talking about the events of, of the tribulation of the end times are unfolding in front of us right now. I'm like, eh. Yeah, there's some people that believe that. I was like, maybe some of these, but a lot of the stuff, like in New Testament, this stuff took a very long time for this stuff to unfold. Oh, oh, and so well, you were. I doubt I'll be alive during that time. Well, you were talking. Well, everyone, every generation thinks they're in the end times. I, mean, I every, don't. Yeah, you don't. No, you don't think this is the end times. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You're referencing. In I'm referencing sense, like the tribulation. I get what you're saying. You're um, referencing the point from when Jesus ascended to the mm-hmm. point where he returns. Are we in that time? Yes. Yes. But I don't say that's the end times. Okay. What do you say it is? The Time in when between. I reference in time, I would say like tri- tribulation. I get that, but that's why we have distinguishing distinguishing words. Trey. Okay, the tribulation and the end times are different words. The end of an age and the I end associate times. it with them the same thing, but but no, you were you were talking about people uh, said that you can lose your salvation in the tribulation period, right? Yeah. It was funny because the, the guy part, I saw it was a King James onlyist. The part the part that I've heard is only Jews can. That Gentiles, in the tribulation, only Jews could lose salvation. But, but that goes along Why? with only Jews can be saved during this tribulation. So only Jews can be saved, and only like, Jews can lose their that's salvation. Like, that's, that's borderline like black Hebrew Israelites Trey, that's, type stuff. That's like ready for absolute it? Ready? racism. Ready? You know what it is? Oh, no. Dispensationalism. <laughs> I don't know. That's theology roundtable came straight from okay, their okay. mouth. Those guys are incredibly questionable. It doesn't matter what you say. Those guys, okay. Did, he, he, but that's I'm not saying they're not saved, but they don't understand. They don't daily think, squat. They don't think I'm saved because I'm a. Catholic. They don't understand crap. Okay, they have but, a different. Hermeneutic. But I don't think everybody who's dispensational believes Jews only will or won't or could lose salvation. I think, all this. I think there's a good argument that a true dispensationalist has to believe it. Or they're kinda not. Like, Kind of like a lot of people say a true Calvinist has to believe that if a baby gets aborted that they go to hell because they weren't elected. That's not what we believe. <laughs> we would believe that if that baby was elected, sure, well, then you he goes to heaven. Some babies maybe go to hell, but what... Yeah. People have arguments for that. Is that like a bad thing? Well, I, I, not know people, I know a few people who are dispensational, and I, I don't really pick a category, to be honest. That's also why I don't pick a category on Calvinism or Arminianism. But, like, I got, I mean, I don't have enough research and study the, to pick a side, essentially, what you would call it. Yeah, it's either covenant theology or dispensationalism. Is but I, I know people who are dispensational. I, like, I got a book from somebody just 
I'm not going to say anything. But just the other day, they gave me a book, and it is about the end times and what things mm-hmm. look like in the events. It goes all the way back to like the beginning. You know, like when would Satan's fall, which is somebody they say sometime before us. Yeah. Okay. And it, 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 there's like a little map, and it talks about all it. But I'm like, it's weird. But I, I wouldn't say that you have to be, you have to believe the the, the whole Jewish thing. No, for I've... being. I don't think you within do within the category of dispensation. Like I'm not a dispensationalist, so I don't. You're I a covenant argue. theology. You've already. Yeah, I'm covenant theologian. I want to say I'm theologian. a theologian. Yeah, I, I stand like towards covenant theology, which is that you're saved the same way. Everyone is saved the same way forever. It's just God was under different covenants at different times. God was under a covenant with moses with abraham with i think jacob at one point because he was israel and then he's in a new covenant with us and we were added into the covenant which is the whole point of the new testament but yeah that's how i look at the bible other people are dispensationalists which means that god had different dispensations which means there was different ways not necessarily how people were saved you always have to believe in christ but different ways of the way that God treated salvation. So like it was just in Moses' time, it was just faith in God, right? That you or I guess Abraham, where it says he, well, I when think he was accounted. When I look at that, I would think, yeah, it would it, it would be faith in God or Yahweh or whatever. But yes. they also for at least the people who knew it, I don't know if all of them who believe in God knew it, they would know that there was yeah. a Messiah coming. They Which, they didn't know his name, they didn't know when, but Well would Trey, be. Okay, I don't know. I just, well that's where you come into a problem actually. <laughs> oh man. because Jesus in John, I think it's chapter five, I don't know off the top of my head, but Jesus says that Moses looked forward to my day and now it's now he's or now it's here. Would you say Adam and then? then? Huh? Would you say Adam then? I don't know. I, I, like Adam? Because that I would only imagine way, so. only way Adam would have known that there was a if God told him. If God told him, okay. Because they didn't have writing, so, so it's like so what? No, I'm just saying. They, but no, that's what I'm saying. Is the only thing you have a problem with is when Jesus says that Moses looked forward to my day, or it might have been Abraham, but they looked forward to my day, and then the Jews picked up stones to stone him. So you have to say that Moses or I, says Abraham. I am. Well, when, Mo, he, he or goes, when Abraham was, I am. He goes out to say that, yes. But he says that, he says that Moses or Abraham, I forget who it is, looked forward to my day. So they okay. knew that a Messiah was coming, like you said. Maybe they didn't know his name was going to be Jesus. Well, obviously they might have because it's in the prophets that they talk about what his name's going to be. But anyways, yeah, it's it's like with dispensationalism, you get, it's very weird. It's very nuanced their belief between covenant theology and dispensationalism. You have to look really, really close to tell the differences, but the differences, once you tell them, it's massive. That's where Theology Roundtable, that's their hermeneutic, Yeah, is dispensationalism. So that's why they can take an Old Testament thing and say that it doesn't have anything to do with this New Testament thing, even though the New Testament people are quoting the Old Testament almost word for word in some of the things, and they say, no, no, no. There's different ways to interpret it. Where my look at it is, if someone in the New Testament is interpreting something from the Old Testament, I will take their interpretation. Like when Peter in Acts 2 is quoting Joel 2, saying that, you know, it's the verse that your old men will have dreams and your young women will prophesy that one. Peter's quoting on Pentecost. He's quoting that verse. And Peter says, 
that is talking about now what is happening in Pentecost, where people had plenty of discussions with it where they're like, well, well, Peter says that it's going to happen, so that means we can prophesy now. That's this time. That's 2022, whatever we're in, 2020. Well, now, now we're getting into and, well, that's that's what people sensationalism. Yeah, well, well, continu- that, but that's what I'm saying. If a if a apostle or someone who wrote a book of the Bible interprets the Old Testament, I will take their interpretation over whatever mine will be. Yeah. Most likely, my interpretation should match what their interpretation is. And like in Joel two, yeah, he was talking about a future event, and Peter was saying. This is that future event, not that it's going to continue to happen. Yeah, it does get into cessationism, but yeah. no, that that's all Peter was saying, and that was what I'm saying. Dispensationalists just have a problem when it comes to those type of things, and you can explain it away, or I don't know. I don't know how they use their hermeneutics. It's really weird. That theology roundtable, this guy apparently invented a hermeneutic, so you know that's sketch when someone in... I don't know when he invented it, 2018 or something, is using a new hermeneutic to interpret the Bible. You know, that's pretty weird when that happens. Well, you don't, like, I wouldn't even get that far. Like, they, obviously, I don't know where they went to school, but they didn't study. And a couple of them went, went to school. I, <laughs> I don't know where they went, but. <laughs> well, it's like, my, my interpretation is what you would call grammatical, historical interpretation, which means that. How everything is written, it's grammar, obviously, it's writing. So I take the grammar. So if it's poetry, I interpret it as poetry. If it's apocalyptic, I interpret it as apocalyptic. If it's an epistle, the same thing. Grammatical, uh, historical, so how they would have looked at it back in this time and that all this stuff happened back then and we can take things from back then and apply them to us, but it's not a direct interpretation application to us in a lot of cases yeah. that's my interpret my hermeneutic there's some people that have different hermeneutics but i just think that's the best and most accurate hermeneutic yeah best way to interpret but some do, people would disagree do you want to head out yeah i <laughs> can right. i've been here a bit. i mean we can keep going but it's late i don't know it doesn't matter if you want to keep on recording I'm, i don't know i you gotta go i don't gotta go anywhere it's I can take it like here. an hour to get home. Yeah, it'll probably take more than that. It's storming outside. Is it really? Yeah. I can oh. go whenever. We I don't care. Okay. We can keep going if you want to keep going or we can stop. Well, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. We, we were talking about like a lot of what we were talking about right there. A lot of that was soteriology. Soteriology, end time events. I can't even say it correctly, but uh, yeah. I can't I can't talk about like That's why I couldn't talk about Calvinism or Arminianism. Well, what have you done study on? cessationism continuationism no i haven't even t- <laughs> i've talked to you so much about that i thought you would know all that by yeah because you talk about like the first corinthians 13 and i think it's 14 as well but didn't you do a study on uh well yeah that's just a beginning passage i'm just saying didn't that... you do study on uh women pastors i started to and then i dropped it oh i thought you and david did a whole episode on that did we i think so pretty sure we may have referenced it i don't think we've well I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. I started doing a study on it in First Timothy or on like I mean, the I have church. A bunch of notes on my thing that uh, we could talk about whatever you wanted to talk <laughs> about. <laughs> we could talk about salvation itself. This is a great question because we were itself. we were getting into it, and I was almost going to reference it, but I was like, it's not okay. Something I've ran into a lot. So recently, I ran into a, quite a, a lot of people about the whole 
you know, like uh, Paul was a false teacher or whatever. Sure, okay. Whatever. That's why about half the Bible, yeah, okay. Anyways, anyways, I was getting into that, and it kind of got me into, because I see this question a lot, and you'll see this with, like, people at churches or maybe on YouTube videos or TikToks, whatever, and they'll say, if, if, if you believe this, you're not saved, or okay. this or that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it has nothing to do with, like, uh, Jesus, yes. right? Or, like, Jesus being the Messiah, he came and died for our sins, and yeah, the all gospel. that. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with that. And I'm like, where's the line for salvation? So like, okay. so like, if I say I believe in Jesus Christ, and I say, uh, you know, like somebody would say all of Paul, or Paul's writings were false. So I'm not gonna, I'm throwing that all out. Would that then mean I'm not saved? Would that disqualify me from salvation? I see what you're saying. Or, or if I said, or, or like somebody who's like a Unitarian and doesn't believe in the the, the Godhead, the Trini- mm-hmm. Trinity, would that then disqualify them? Not saying that they lost their salvation, rather that it's proof of non-salvation. Yeah. So like, Where, is, where's the line? Yeah. Where's the because gospel from we, line? From what we know, it's, it has to be through evidence of a person that people can see, mm-hmm. and it's also the the gospel the belief in the gospel so which is the main route i don't know the way i look at it well one like you know someone says i believe in jesus christ like a mormon well is jesus christ satan's uh what is it spirit brother more or is he a human mormon say or is he a human and he's not really god he's just a son of god that god had sex with some woman and or with mary and then he became a human son like that no of course you aren't saved you don't believe christ is god so no so like that no but then when it comes to non-gospel issues i would say it's kind of a discretionary thing because i think a true christian won't stay in something that isn't true to the bible for long so someone who says i think they could stay in it for a good amount of time i don't i think like okay. i've seen people who like but they've there, been in the catholic church for like 40 years and like finally i got out you know what I mean? They're no, like, I, you spent a long time in there. Okay, but yeah, but I, I they think, they eventually get out. Someone who no, no, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. yeah, I'm saying that a Christian will eventually say, "I'm in something wrong. I need to go." Yeah, you know, it it's a discretionary thing, but it's also like there's plenty of theologians who don't believe that Jude should be in the Bible. Okay, yeah. uh, I think it wasn't Calvin, it wasn't Luther, it was another old guy who used to argue that. And say that Jude shouldn't be in the Bible. And there's even like really old creedal things back like only like 60 years after Jesus died where the churches were discussing whether this, you know, some churches believe that this book in the New Testament should be in the Bible. This book shouldn't because it was so new, you know, like John, like Revelation was so new. Some people were like, nah, maybe not. Maybe John's gone a little haywire, all this stuff. Like, there's all that. But I think if you're going to take out one of the senior figures of the entire New Testament, I don't think you're saved. Okay. Because what, yeah. what, what books are you left with? You're left with the epistles, or the gospels, I mean, and you're left with 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, maybe Hebrews, uh, Peter's, and Revelation. That's it. So you're left yeah. with like... What Which, is that? Ten books altogether? Something like that. So you're losing twenty three books. So you're just yeah. So I just I don't think that it works because 
all Paul, all throughout his letters, all he's doing is giving you more information on what salvation, what the gospel, what yeah. all these things are. And you can obviously see that, I mean, it, technically we'd have to take out the Peters. I because, you you, huh? I thought you mentioned those. No, I would say we would have to take them out. I, I mentioned them as being in because oh, they weren't okay. written by Paul. But we'd have to take the Peters out because Peter believed that Paul was speaking yeah, he the truth. he affirms it in like Second Peter. And technically, you would have to take out all the Johns because all the disciples believed that Paul, what he was saying was true because he was confirmed by all the disciples. So you're taking out everything but the Gospels. And technically, you're only having Matthew and... You can't have Luke... <laughs> Because Luke, John. Luke, no, because John's an apostle. So you can't have John. You can't have Luke because Luke traveled with Paul. You can have Mark, maybe, but Mark, Mark was with Peter. Mark, Mark traveled with Paul, though. Yes, that's true. But Mark was also with made Peter, with Peter. So and then the you're exception. left with Matthew. I don't know a lot about Matthew, so all you have is the Old Testament and Matthew. And even then, we might be able to get into the discussion where Matthew can't be in it. So technically, I don't think you could take out all of Peter or all of Paul and say that he was a false disciple because too many of the other disciples believed all the other disciples yeah. believed everything he said because they were all in agreement. Well, yeah. So I it's mean, like, even, even with that, like it's we like, see a lot of those issues. Yeah. Like not just with the Paul, like you know, people, people like, you know, not, not praying to the saints, yeah, but asking the saints by no, Catholic's point of view, asking the, the saints or yeah. the higher above humans, Mm-hmm. As I would quote them, yeah, uh, to to intercede for you so that your prayer gets m- more pushed up on the list, yeah. So God has a higher chance of answering it, yeah. It's I so it's like I think you so how you know I think the line is you run into a lot of issues yeah. and it's like well like like with that whole Paul thing you could basically say then you can't believe the gospel so therefore you aren't saved because you you deny everything that Paul did you think he's a false teacher so everything in the Bible other than the Old Testament is out. Yeah. Basically, maybe Matthew. That's what we've come down to. Maybe Matthew. Maybe Jude, but Jude was Jesus' brother, and John spent a lot of time with Jesus' family because he <laughs> he was Mary's son, basically. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it just comes down to a lot of weird things. So I think you have to, it's a case-by-case basis, I really think. Like the, uh, the uh, who's the Potter House guy? T.D. Jakes. Like T.D. Jakes, oh, where he's Jakes. a... He's a Unitarian person where there's only one God. Well, even believing in oneness. That's why. Would, I mean. that, would that, oneness would that be I think a it, salvational, like, I think like so. you're not saved because of this? I, I think so. Or that's evidence of non-salvation I don't type know. stuff? It's, it's, like, it's like I said, because eventually a Christian, a true believer, will realize that that's false, right? Okay. Because like, you, you're basically a Jew, or a Muslim, or a Mormon. You're basically all those religions, but you just believe in one God. You don't believe that Christ was, you believe that he was God, and that God wasn't in heaven when he was Christ. So you're you're believing all this weird stuff. And so I think as a Christian, you have to be able to figure out that this isn't true. It's kind of like all the people that go to Joel Osteen's church. It's like a Christian will eventually realize that this isn't true. This is bad. And I know a lot of people, I've heard of a lot of people that have left things like that, like Justin Peters. And there's a lady, I forget her name, but she's paralyzed and she left something like that. And it's like, they didn't stay in it for, you know, their whole life. 
they may have stayed in it for 20 years, but eventually they figured out they're like, no, this this isn't biblical. I should. No, I, I agree with that. So I, I mean, think I think a true Christian that they will get out of something like that. It's the same with like sin. I think so. It will show the believer. Yeah. To the non. Yeah, I think it's it's like a non-believer is going to stay in that because it's a worldly thing. You want to believe in something like that, mm. but. You know, like I said, it's like sin. There can be besetting sins, so sin that you deal with your whole life. Like, let's let's take lust, because that's a really common one for people. Yeah. If you deal with lust, and you've always dealt with lust, you can have that besetting sin, a sin that follows you throughout your whole life. You can have that sin always bug you. But a true believer is going to always fight against that sin. A not true believer... It's going to just totally give up and say, well, I can't control that sin, so let me go to uh, the strip club today. Or let me sleep with this girl. I know it's a sin, but I can't deal with it. I can't do anything God about it. God wants me to be happy. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But it's like, <laughs> I said that. it's like, yeah, it's like with sin. It's like a true believer is always going to end up in the right path. And it sounds kind of weird because some people would say, well, what about Calvinism? Calvinism, a true believer would go against it. Or what about Arminianism? You know, a true believer would go against it. It's like, well, are these things salvific issues? I wouldn't call every single Pentecostal not saved. Well, yeah, like, I mean, I wouldn't call every Calvinist. Every, yeah, there's I wouldn't like, call anybody. There's every, always, yeah, just like with Catholics, I wouldn't call every Catholic. Like, like not you see saved. stories of Catholics coming out of it exactly. for like five, forty years. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's awesome. And it's not even that you have to come out of it. You could still be saved can, in it and be deceived because yes. Scripture talks about people are being blinded exactly. and deceived. So, yeah, it's a case-by-case basis, and of course we can never really tell. I think the only God. way you would be able to tell would be, and it, you couldn't do it with everybody, it would, you would have to be very close to them because no. it talk about knowing their fruits. And that would take a process of time. Like You, you could see someone's fruits and kind of get a, an yeah, idea I, of where they stand. But that even then, you have to spend years, if well, not a lifetime, around somebody. Even then, we're human, and like fruits, like we, we could we see someone do. It? Well, we could see someone do a good thing. Like you could say, I've heard people argue with the Catholic Church, like, "Well, look at their fruits. Their fruits are good. Yes, they do very good things. But why do they do the very good things? Like you have to be yeah. able to know the heart behind something. I guess that's true. And that's the whole thing with fruits. Like I could see someone help an old lady across the road, and that person could be going to hell. <laughs> It's like, well, yeah, that, what's that the would, heart that would simply it? that that sounds more like it would just be a non-believer just doing something. Yeah, but we would see it. But as, we wouldn't. That's a good thing. Like if you saw, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't. But then you wouldn't even take that judgment upon that one sin or that not that one sin, that one deed. Mm-hmm. You would rather take it upon like a continuation. Yeah, but so like, are they continuously loving? You know yeah, what but I mean? if you even if you stay outside of someone's house every day and they always did good no, things that would, person could still be going to hell because no, I, I know that but assuming you were taught to them and were close to them you could probably get a you could get a good idea i think you could figure it out but i don't think you can always know the heart which is just a difficult thing like if we see the fruits and the fruits are good then we treat them like they're a believer but if the fruits are always bad and never get good then it's like okay i can yeah and then you I even get then you get any the, the, like you. idle christians yeah yeah, I, like lazy Christians like they're they're believers. They're just yeah, poor I, example. So you got to kind of separate. Yeah, I think I have hard opinions on on that lazy Christians. I've gotten called well, that out. they aren't lazy. That they're just not Christians. Well, that that's something I would say. Where well, I would oh, say I mean, scripture I feel talks like, about idols. 
Christians. Yeah. Like, there are believers who are lazy, so it's yeah. like... I know, I get that's that. It's hard to refute. Yeah, but it's also hard to prove to you're a Christian. To know which one is which. Well, it's also hard yeah. to prove you're a Christian when that stuff happens, because it's like, okay, never see you reading your Bible, never hear you talking about God, never see you at church, never... Like, all these things where it's like, if I didn't know you, I would say you aren't a Christian. Yeah. But then, at the same time, they could be. They could just be going through stuff. But, like, my opinion is that a Christian won't always go through something like that. Well, yeah. Like, a Christian will, at, you know, even if it's, like, spurts, where it's, like, they're getting into the Word for a good two or three days, and then they go through a spurt of, like, a week of not doing anything. Then it's, like, and it's not saying that you always have to read your Bible every day, but it's, like, you should be doing something. Yeah. It's not to work your way, it's to... It's to carry you know, your cross yeah. daily. Well, yeah, it's to grow. Like, I heard someone say that maintenance phase was the word. Someone said something about me that they said, they said, yeah, Tyler, they didn't say my name. It was another podcast, but they said, yeah, this guy I know, he's really, you know, he's really kind of, he's brought, he's tough with his wife. And I was like, oh, who's this person? And he said, and, you know, because he always, like makes her read her bible and stuff and i was like oh that's me i've talked to you before about it so i know it's me and i was like is that being rough to my wife is that being hard on my wife saying hey honey have you read your bible today like isn't that my job yeah (laughs) like that's my job as a husband is to make sure that she's reading the bible and then what he said was he was like well you know with my wife you know i don't ever do that because she's been a Christian for so long that she's in the maintenance phase. And I was like, that sounds like I would say if you never did it, that would sound almost like you don't give a crap about it. Yeah, well, I know. If if, if you have two believers and the other one just doesn't, it sounds like you have no love. Well, because his excuse was, you know, she's in the maintenance phase because she's been safe for so long. And my analogy is, okay, if there's a fat person and and you're a skinny person, you're, you know, and you, you need milk, so you're drinking milk, and the fat person, you say, nah, he doesn't need any food. He's he's just in maintenance phase. We, we need to get him off the food. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's the same thing with the Word of God. It's like, does the fat person need the Word of God? Yeah. He needs food to live. The skinny person needs food to live. Yeah. That's the whole point. And that's, and like their, their excuse, I would say, is like, well, my wife, you know, she doesn't all, she doesn't read her Bible, but her service to the Lord is taking care of our kids and Sometimes she sings. It's like, okay, but where's your food? Like, those are good things. I take care of my kids. I love my kids, and I sing. You know, I sing worship music all the time. But it's like, my food is coming from the Word. That's how I get fed. Not by taking care of my kids. That's good. I'm called to do that. But I still need spiritual food to grow me so I can do that better. It's like it all it all connects. You always need to be in the word. That's the end all be all right there. Yeah. It's like <clears throat> and if you don't have a Bible, like people I know you've had that argument with people, like if you if you're in jail and you someone's never had the Bible and they got saved, what well, what are you saying? Well, I mean, they can grow, but they aren't gonna grow that much. And it's at no fault of their own. Also, it's almost a well, I guess I couldn't say this because most likely the thief on the cross knew the old testament. Although I would say, I, I would beg to say maybe he didn't or didn't know it well. Mm-hmm. Because also when he was on the cross, he was, he was uh, what do you call it, uh, 
not blasphemy. He was just mocking Jesus. Yeah. Both both of them were, well, and then he the ended Jews, up coming to salvation. Yeah. Well, all the Jews would know some form of the Bible, and it's even you know even the the argument. Well, what do you think about the people in the New Testament? They didn't have Bibles. Yeah, but if you were a Christian, you went to a church, yeah. and there's only so many churches that were there, and so you'd always be hearing the Word of God. You'd always be hearing Paul's letter that he wrote to the Ephesians. We got a copy. Let's read it. Also, it's supposed to be around other believers because they they can help. Uh, what is carry the burdens? Yeah, carry well, your burdens. Yeah, it's like all the people in the old, or in the New Testament had the Word, had some form of the Word. Maybe they didn't have the whole thing, but like the Bereans. Obviously, they were, you know, Paul said they were doing a good job because they were studying the Word to make sure it lined with the Old Testament. They were always in the Word, and they were the ones who were like, hey, good job. That's coming from Paul, who never says that. (laughs) Who's always like, well, I heard you guys were sleeping with your mothers. (laughs) To the Corinthians, like, he was always getting on to people. He didn't say good job to a lot of people. I'm sure he was a nice guy, but... It's like, yeah, the Bereans were the ones who were being praised because they were reading their word. Yeah. I, I, I just disagree with the maintenance phase thing. I think it's just an excuse for lazy Christians or people that are Yeah, that saved. maintenance phase is more, it seems like a reference to, like, you're going through something, right? No. You're, that's what no. it sounds that like. That wasn't, that, that's not the context of it. I've talked with but the guy like a bunch of But it's like growth. No, it's You're like talking they about don't growth need, without yeah, needing it. They don't need to grow anymore. I don't need to make sure they're reading the word because they're so far ahead already. Yeah, but if you don't know it all, then also you're supposed to be prepared to to Yeah. That person's def- not very prepared to give an answer very often. <laughs> give Whenever an answer. I and it could be them. any answer, but that's why you study the word and since there's a lot of things that nobody still understands in scripture. Yeah. Or that very few people actually understand in scripture. Well, that, that's a good point. What's your what's your thoughts on mysteries in scripture? Like, what do you talk about? Like, so you know, God obviously has certain things that we won't like. Know certain verses until. I can't understand, or yeah, like are you saying? Okay, so like the order salutis, right? The order of salvation, like we were talking about okay. earlier. Is that a mystery? Can we never know because the Bible doesn't clearly give us like a list of here's how you're saved regeneration justification sanctification blah 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 blah. or is it something that we can deduce from scripture and there's just other things that are mysteries like the trinity's a mystery yeah i think everyone would agree with it but does that mean we don't study it and don't argue it and don't defend it like yeah okay because i've heard people that say that oh this certain subject is a mystery. Election, free will, predestination, those are mysteries. And so even if we disagree with it, it's okay. We don't need to go into it. Would you say the same thing? Like, well, it's a mystery. It's not that important. We can discuss other good things. Well, I I think first off, discussing things that either are highly debated or that people just generally don't understand, I think is good because it could lead to understanding, not that it would. Mm -hmm. But it's also good to get uh, perspectives from other people mm-hmm. as well, because you can be biased. Everybody's yeah. biased, and I. So, uh, but I don't think it's wrong to do that. I don't. Uh, it does talk about um, not having argument over useless things, and that would get into the category: what would you consider to be useless, as in not arguing over, and what would be mm-hmm. arguing over? Because I think one of them would be salvation would absolutely be an argument 
you stand up for what salvation is. We don't. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, like if you teach your workspace salvation, you don't have salvation. Well, see, period. I would honestly say anything about the Bible you? is not useless. No, I'm not saying useless. Well, no, that's what I'm, do you debate and what do you? I would say let go. Like pick your pick your fights. Yeah. Well, I would say to a non-Christian, everything we would debate everything. So it'd be it would be based on the person then. Well, yeah, but I would I would say that, or it'd be based on what they say. Well, I would you know like if I'm arguing with another Christian about something, like if it's did Jesus live to 33 or 30? Like, I'm not going to die on Jesus died on at the age of 33. Like, I'm not going to hold to that. Like, that has to be it. Like, if someone comes along and we have disagreements about it, then I might go, okay, we'll agree to disagree on this. Yeah. But when it comes to, like, a little bit more important things, like, you know, I'm, I have a picture of what free will and predestination is, and yeah, I'm going to argue it, and someone just saying, you know, arguing against me, then, you know, at some point in time, I'll just say, okay, well, we need to take a break and we'll come back and discuss it later. Because that's the whole thing. I want, I don't want to, like, destroy my relationship over something in the Bible to another Christian. It's like, well, you know, if we're going to get this heated about something, we'll just come back to it later and discuss it. I mean, I, yeah. I think I think everything's worth discussing and not arguing but debating over but you have to know when to call call it quits and say we'll do it again later i think that has to do with like picking your, your arguments too because i run into a lot of like just when it talks about like losing salvation mm-hmm. i'll see a lot of people say it and sometimes i'll just walk by it and then other times i'll choose yeah. to jump into it because people are picking maybe a certain verse i'm like okay let's jump in that gets a conversation going and then other people see it and that has happened, but I get that. I mean, I think it comes down to preference. Sometimes you don't want to, you know, every day fight no. the same battle. Yeah, Sometimes you're like, ah, I'll just let this one go and come back. It's to also, it. it's also like, I mean, it's not like you're the only one around. Yeah, that's true. You're not the only believer in the whole world at this singular moment yeah but sometimes so it's not your sole responsibility yeah but sometimes you are the only person with around, opposite yeah. view oh yeah from the other person because you know everyone likes to be in their little echo chambers yeah of oh you agree with me on this oh i agree with you on that too and then sometimes you're the only christian in another christian's life that says no i think that's wrong why don't you think about what you believe i think that that comes back to like um you know being able to, to give a a testimony or an answer for anything because yeah. people who are what you would call i guess weak in the faith or new in the faith wouldn't know as much but someone who sits there and study like you'll be like i've gone into discussions where it's just me and everybody else is against me yeah and i'm willing i'm like okay i'll roll with the punch. i've gotten into conversation with things i didn't know at the moment but then i, I got answers to and i found ways to discuss it with somebody yeah but i was like i don't you yeah, know, it's it's good. I'm not educated it, on this, but I'm gonna jump out here because the people who are aren't clearly aren't doing anything. Yeah, if someone has a weak argument and you don't even know the argument for the other side, but you think you can destroy their side, it's like yeah, it gets you good to think about it at least. I think it even challenges if, you too. And yeah, it's useful. Like even if if you were the one believing in predestination and I kind of sort of believed in free will, or even if we both believed in predestination, it'd be good for me to challenge you about your views of predestination so that way you can give an answer to someone else who's maybe not as friendly as me yeah you know and is not on your side so it yeah i think it's good to you know usually discuss but yeah it's definitely 
sometimes fight in the battle with the same person. Oh yeah, eventually you got to give up. Eventually yeah. you just let it go. Yeah, which yeah. Cuz that kind of gets into that the parable of the sower. Once you kind of throw the seed, it's not you're yeah, not the but, salvation. Yeah. I think it's more the 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 ring in the pig's snout <laughs> or the giving what is it? Uh oh, your pearls to throwing pig. pearls to yeah. swine. Yeah. I ran into an issue like that recently. It happens. <laughs> that was one, of, one. I ran into a guy talking about the whole Paul thing. Oh. We got into a bunch of other stuff. He was, he wasn't talking yeah. about Paul after that. I don't know people like that. I've I've dealt with people like that, and usually I just get into the gospel at that point. I'm like, you're so far off of what a Christian is that maybe I should just bring up the gospel and that you're a sinner. And I've had it where I've discussed it and told the person they're a sinner, and they got all mad at me. And I was like, oh, you needed I the got, gospel. I got into a discussion like that, and it was it was weird to get into because I was talking about this guy. And we were first talking about Paul, which I knew I didn't have information to really jump into a fight. But somehow I, I got in there. Ultimately, he, he said some... What you would, well, I guess in your opinion, you couldn't commit the unforgivable sin. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's safe in your opinion. But but it, it, later on, I ran into him later, and I ran into him multiple times, and it was different discussions. But he said, he was talking about true Christianity, and he was out here spreading true Christianity. He would go into people's chats of their videos, typically believers, mm-hmm. and would say, he would say something looking for the fight, looking for a fight. And I knew it the first time he said it about Paul was a... Uh, a false teacher or whatever mm-hmm. but then he started saying and i got into a discussion he said that that god or i he said god okay he mm-hmm. said god technically he said god was the serpent like in in the garden okay okay first you get that mm-hmm. later on i get into his discussion and i didn't really get into the whole god a serpent thing i was like you gotta pick he said so many things i was like i gotta grab certain things he was talking about how jesus was above god and how Jesus was the Father, right? I, which I, I got into that. I was like, "How could the Son be the Father when it mm-hmm. states that that you know?" I think it's, it's John ten thirty where it says, "I and the Father are one." That was just one of them. And, and then he and then he said he said that Jesus he said what what was I saying? He said that Jesus was the Father mm-hmm. and that Jesus was above God, right? So you got to believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, okay. And then later he said that that the Father is God. I was like, okay. Then you're you're making a connection that Jesus, the Father, are all God, but Jesus is not God. I was like, you're contradicting yourself here, and you're not liking it. Yeah, that seems like a weird man. Who it was he, he 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 started saying he, <laughs> he got to a point. I made a statement because he was saying something, and he was saying he was saying that you know Jesus wasn't God. I was like. Or Jesus, or something like that. But he he basically did what you would quote the unforgivable sin, which I didn't, I didn't really care. So mm-hmm. I restated. I was like, "Is this what you're saying?" Okay, I restated what he had just stated, and he said, "He said, uh, you just blasphemy the Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't. <laughs> you're gonna die." I was like, "That's what you just said." He's like, "I can't help you anymore. I can't teach you." I was like, "You're in no position to be teaching, considering I haven't learned anything new from you." Does he does he go to hell too? Because he's the one who led you to the unforgivable sin. No, no, he believes in Jesus above God. He's he's safe. Oh. <laughs> All right. I man. ran into this guy multiple times, and eventually, I just said, "I'm done." Well, I, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't really. 
I don't like dealing with that. Usually, you get in the good conversations. Yeah, maybe I don't. I don't get on TikTok anymore. No, I saw this guy going around in different comments, and nobody, nobody challenged him. That was my issue. I was like, nobody. Maybe t- it's because no people- one took him seriously. Everyone thought he was joking. Like, oh, this guy believes Paul's an antichrist or whatever. No, this guy's joking. He's you, funny. No, you would have to be an idiot. I'm sorry, you would have to be an idiot to see him saying the same thing over and over and say that's a joke. Well, maybe no one you, followed everyone that you were following on the Christian tags, and they were just watching one person and said, look at this crazy person here. There's okay. no way that all those people didn't see this guy going through thousands of videos and comments putting know. this. I don't know how TikTok works, Trace. So. <laughs> I don't know. It irritated me. I was like, nobody challenged this. So I challenged a guy, and then people started challenging him after I stopped. Yeah, I was like... You started a trend. It, 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 I don't know. It was, I felt it was kind of pathetic. Now he has From 2 million believers. followers because of you, Trey. Good job. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, because like I was saying, I, I present the gospel to people like that. I did that once. It didn't go very good. The person did not like hearing the gospel, and they were claimed to be a Christian. I was like, ah, I feel like if someone presents me the gospel, I'd be like, amen. Preach it. Preach it. Yep, I believe all that. Preach it, but they were they were not happy. Maybe they, were they a progressive what do you mean, progressive? Progressive Christian? I don't think so. They were, they were Pentecostal. I mean, I don't think they were very progressive Christian type. The only P's they were were progressive. Or Pentecostal. <laughs> Pentecostal. Progressive, progressive Pentecostal. No, <laughs> they were Pentecostal. It's a new wave. Yeah, I. They did not like hearing the gospel. And I was like, oh, I feel. I wish someone would say the gospel to me. That's encouraging, isn't that supposed to be encouragement to a Christian, not a. Oh, I'm condemned now? Like, right. That's what that is to unsaved people is condemnation. But I think people are too scared. I think it's less and less. Yeah, I don't know. Less and less people are learning. Everybody's kind of a dumbed-down Christian. So very few people now are actually putting effort in to study it. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think people really want to think about what their beliefs really lead to. Because, <laughs> you know, some beliefs you think about... They lead to weird places, like the whole lukewarm Christian thing, right? Yeah. You've heard that before. It's stupid. If we let's think about it, I think you you might have heard the sermon. What the uh, Luodis or Lysa Decia? Laodicea. Laodicea. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. I heard you and, talk about. And, it. Yeah, the rivers and one's hot, one's cold. They're and both that's why, useful. Yeah, they're both useful. That's why one. But the way people look at it is, hot is good, cold is bad. If lukewarm is lukewarm, surviving. Yeah. Or. Hot is good, cold is bad, but also good, and lukewarm, he'll spit him out of his mouth. So they're saying that the hot one is the Christian, the cold one is the sinner, and the lukewarm one is the lukewarm Christian. Yeah. And so it's like, so Jesus isn't going to spit out the good Christian or the unsaved person, but the Christian who's lukewarm, he's going to spit out. It makes, it just makes no sense. Yeah. Like in the context of the verse, yes, it makes sense. They're both useful, and you're far away from both the sources, so you become useless. But get closer to the sources, and you become useful. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of things that people just don't look into. They're like, nope, lukewarm Christian, that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Her, I convert, her, talked to, to someone about that whole thing about a year ago, and every single time I hear them talking, they always bring up lukewarm Christian or the where two or more are gathered in my name. I'm there also. Yeah. That's Timothy another big one. Yeah. Where that isn't talking about that at what people say it is at all. I heard somebody say it a few months back. It was this woman yeah. and she was like, I stopped going to church and, and they were like, 
there was bring out I think it was like First Corinthians something where it's talked about being around believers and such. Mm-hmm. I think it's First Corinthians like nine or something. I can't remember. But she referenced when two or more are gathered together. And I was like, I, I'm leaving. That, that, that's a I'm good, gone. Uh, what, what is it? It's, a it's discipline. That's what it is. It's church discipline. Yeah. Because if, yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's some of these old things that you were taught when you were young. And it's like, that isn't what these verses say at all. Whenever you actually look at them, it's like they're talking about totally separate things. But that's the whole point of this is where context matters. Because something can mean something. But then when you add in context, it means something totally different from what yeah. you thought it did. So It's weird. It is weird. I wish people would just look at the Bible a little bit closer and maybe be a little bit more open-minded to people who disagree with you. Maybe think about it first. I had a, I had a Catholic girl a few weeks back. We got into a small discussion on losing salvation, and she referenced the, you know, some will come to me. Mm-hmm. In, in Matthew 7 and he'll say you know leave from me I never knew you and she says and she quoted that I said you took that out of context you're not using it correctly and she said you gotta have an open mind let's talk about it I said yes let's talk she never she never talked to me yeah. I said message me she never she, <laughs> I was like boy I'm gonna break that she wanted you to have an open mind to listen I was to like I'm not gonna have an view. open mind for the twisting of scripture as if you're using the context I'm open as heck it's well, interesting <laughs> I've, I've had a, a non-Christian say they say, uh, I'm I'm glad, Tyler, you have an open mind. He's like, what did he say to me? He said uh, something about, oh, you. it was something like you don't 100% believe in Jesus. Not an absolute I, or something? Yeah, where he's like, you have an open mind. You know, if I proved that Jesus wasn't a, a real, then you would disbelieve or something. A lot of people like, say that, though. I was like, no, I. that's the whole point of Christianity. I have 100% certainty that he lived and that he died and that I'm going to heaven. It's like, what What are you talking about? And they're just like, you know, I know if I could convince you otherwise. I'm like, you can't. I don't have an open mind on that subject. Like, that's the one thing I don't have an open mind on is, well, did Jesus die for me personally? Yes, he did. And he's died and came back to life and is in heaven and coming back. It's I don't know, it's weird because I... It almost seems like a double standard where you'll ask a non-Christian to have an open mind about this, and then they say, okay, have an open mind about what I'm going to say, too, about evolution. It's like, I can't really, because I already believe this wholeheartedly. Well, you have Christian evolutionists, like Christians who believe evolution was part of the great... Are those really Christians? (laughs) That's what I used to believe a long time ago. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) It's, It's something. I don't know about all of that. It's like them and uh, uh, modalist, like William Lane Craig. You mean modalist? Is that how you say it? Yeah, there's no D. Modalism. Yeah. I thought Molinism. Molinism. That's what what I put it in there. Because it's Alfred Molina. I don't know. That's not his name. That's an actor. I I don't know. Bro, Doc Ock? (laughs) It's something like that. You said that last week, too. You said his name is Molina. I know that. I was like, wait, you talking about Doc Ock from Spider Man 2? No. Yeah. Molinism. I don't think Molinism doesn't really prove whether or not you. I I think you could fully believe in Molinism and be saved. I don't think there's an issue. Weird. Molinism's like you can look down the corridors of time. That God looks down the corridors of time. I don't think it's far fetched to think that. I mean, if God's all knowing, then yes. Then why would He look down the corridors of time and know something, Trey? But but if He knows it, then He knows all outcomes of an event. 
but uh, so because he's all knowing, right? But it but it it, it, it begs the question <laughs> of and you can't beg the question. You can't, but that's what exactly what Molinism. I don't agree does. with Molinism. I just don't think. Oh no. yeah, you're not saved. No, if you do I don't this. think that either. But I think it's just stupid. I think it's a ridiculous heresy that whatever Molina, whatever the guy's name is, came up with, and people believe it. I think it's just it's illogical and not biblical at all. Because that's what it. It's, God knows that. all the different outcomes. So, but that means how they explain it is he has to look down the corridors of time. Well, if God is looking down the corridors of time, God is gaining knowledge by doing that. He has to look down the corridors of time to see what's going to happen. I thought I, th- I thought it was God knew every possible outcome, like every choice you make. He knows all of them, and then he creates a world that. Your choices line up with his will. Uh, yeah, it's so a, that's the world he ended up making. It's a mix of all that, but I thought he already that, knows all the outcomes, but and then that, he chose that one, right? But that so begs that he, the so that it's free will and predestination. Yes, but stuff. that begs the question of that means God's looked at multiple worlds, and therefore he is gaining knowledge of which one most glorifies him, instead of just making the world mm. that he already knew. I didn't, I didn't think about it from that. It, I, it's I tried very, studying that, and I got really bored. Yeah. I started listening to the, the James White versus... The unbelievable w- one? Yeah, uh, yeah, versus William Lane, Lane Craig. I only got like 45 minutes in. Yeah. I was so bored of William that. William Lane Craig bores me. Like, he's, I, a good, he's a good apologist against I'm not uh, gonna lie. atheists, though. I James like White kind of bores me. <laughs> yeah, he has that boring quality. James White bores me. I, like, I don't care. He has like, a boring quality, but he's very... Like, I don't mind Andrew Rappaport as a Calvinist, but... James White just he's so boring. I don't care where he stands. He's just You like Jeff Durbin, don't you? Yeah, Jeff uh yeah, Durbin, Durbin or whatever, yeah. yeah. I like him. I've seen I've only seen a few of his. They're the same people. Okay, I did okay, never mind. I I did see Jeff Durbin, James White and it was this one um shoot, what was he? I think he was a Mormon. A Mormon kid. Oh. He was in his 20s. I saw them do a debate. Oh. Unless if like it was like a two and a half hour podcast. Yeah, well James White is definitely very i think he's good at debates yes he's i just very, find him boring he's very logical and goes through everything yeah which i don't know it depends like if you want someone who's entertaining god rest his soul john lennox is good <laughs> but i don't agree with everything john I, I tried says. to listen to a james white thing that just came out like a week ago where he was talking about catholicism i was like i i'm sorry yeah I can't he has do his, own, uh, his own uh yeah, radio show yeah, yeah. i forgot i, I won't listen line. to it that's what it's called <laughs> I, i'll line. probably fall asleep if i listen to it it's pretty gum good. You gotta have your notepad out and ready to take note. Like, what did he just say? What was that ten syllable word that just came out of his mouth? Let me look that up. Because he does a lot of his stuff where he'll talk in sentences in Greek, and if you aren't watching on YouTube, you don't know where in the world he's at. He just starts saying stuff. You're like, wait, what? 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 That's why you gotta learn Greek first. I guess so. Or you can just listen to James White, like two of his uh, dividing line videos, and you'll learn Greek pretty quick. <laughs> I learned Maybe. that has or pas has. Oh, I forgot the third word now. Petanuo. It's not das. <laughs> I know blippo. Blippo. Yeah, that's yeah. a word. It's a uh, it's lust. I think that's what blippo is. I think it's a, it's a delphois. That's what it is. There's a couple Greek words. I, I know. I know delphois and cosmon. Well, I probably gonna we good? head out. Unless I, you wanna you have, you have anything else? No, that big. Salvation line was really the only one I had because oh. I've never talked about it with anybody. So I thought, oh, maybe next time I'm on, we'll have to go. We'll write out tulip, and then we'll go through each oh, one of the tulips, 
Oh, went we through could, it. Then we. Oh, maybe we could Arminianism. find Arminianism was. I heard it like last week. I just I I've, can't memorize it. I don't it. think I've ever heard it before. I've heard it a few different times. I just I can't remember it. It's so it's so interesting. No one knows what it is, but everyone believes Arminianism. It, it's it's from the most basic, uneducated way of viewing it. Arminianism and Calvinism are pretty polar opposites. One being yeah. predestined, one being free will. Yeah. That's but the most basic way to ever put it. But it's also like if someone can hold a Calvinist to no, no, tulip, I, I, then you should be able to hold an Arminianist to whatever their thing is oh, yeah. and be able to argue that. I you because, gonna, yeah. because you can't say, well, a true Calvinist has to hold a tulip. No, not necessarily. But if we're going to play that game, then all the Arminianists have to hold to Jacob Arminianus's, uh five points. Or seven points. I think they have seven points. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what flower it is. I'm just kidding. It's not a flower. Probably not. It's probably it's probably spells out Calvin's name or something. Calvin. Calvin. That's well, their that's their well, thing because they hate John Calvin. Yeah, so I don't know about that one. Wasn't weren't they the? They were the ones who I think started off with Cal. They like were a branch of Calvinism. Or no, they were Jacob Arminianus. I guess. I don't know I, I that. Don't know. I didn't know. I think Arminianists. Anyways, I, I thought know. they were in totally different time periods, but maybe not. Probably not. I don't know. Well, I haven't studied that too much. Either if I am not an Arminianist, so I don't need to. Then you probably should. I should, so, so that way can I can. It. That way I can write down the points and say you have to hold. It's good to be this. able to. It's like we were talking about. I forgot you mentioned about at the beginning to be able to discuss any topic from any point of view. Oh yeah, if in someone, any language. I mean, I do have a phone, so I can look up what the Arminianist <laughs> thing is and then go. I could do that it. with Tulip and still get it wrong. Well, yeah, but I would get it right. Oh, because yeah. I understand it. I, I could, I could bring up Tulip in a basic way. Very basic, yeah. Close to I, yours. You know, Yours wasn't really that say, close to mine when I, you brought P, up the P. We gotta take one of them I. out, you know. One of them doesn't need to be there. It's no. counterproductive. No. It's like saying taco twice. Technically, none of them need to be there if you just read your Bible. But, you know, Calvin's followers had to make it because people didn't read their Bible. Amen. All right. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? Mm. Want to give a shout out to your podcast? I don't no, I haven't recorded in a long time. I don't know if I ever will. Wow. It wasn't predestined to happen. Or my or my oh, free oh, will I forgot to mention this. won't allow me to do it. It's ironic how no Calvinists are non-elect. I heard that. I heard that. What that, kind of retarded I heard that comment. That? I wanted to bring that up. That was funny. Yeah, that's the It's whole ironic thing. how all Calvinists are elected. Yeah, it's funny how all Christians chose to become Christians. I'm not. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I I guess you don't want to shout anything out. Cool. No, I wish David was here. That's about it. I mean, David, with how late it is, he wouldn't be here anyways. David, if you're listening, get back on the MSG podcast. We need you. I'm taking your place. <laughs> you're going to drive down I'm gonna here? I'm going to drive an hour every night to come and Every record. night? Yeah, we're starting it three times a week now, Trey. Three times? Every night is not three times. It's seven times. Yeah, but I need a couple days to myself. So it's like every other night. Not in my world where I don't get to sleep half the night, so Wait, it's usually every two days. Are you even going to church tomorrow? Night. Yeah. Are you going to watch Watermark it at home? Fort Worth. No, that's not church, Trey. That's watching a TV show. <laughs> I know. We talked about this last. I'm just asking. Yes, I'm going to. If the Lord allows me to, I'm going to go to if physical church. If it's elected. <laughs> hey, if I'm not dead in my bed tomorrow and no one's sick, then yes, I will be going to church. All right. Well, uh, cool. Boing. Boeing. Yep, for David. Pour one out for the homies. Pour one out for the homies.
Oh, funny note, side note. more water. Oh, you don't have any? What? You can go fill up. Nah, we're about to end. I ha- I, before, I'm, I don't know when I'll release this episode. Probably won't be tomorrow, but so by the time I say this, we'll already be out. But there was this little, uh, David did this little meme in our group, in our, like, our big group chat. Uh-huh. Uh, like, weeks ago, he did a little edit era with his um, Photoshop. It was, like, a, a complaint form. Okay. Like, you know, yeah. giving out a complaint, and it has, like, his little, his picture, his face on it. I printed it out, and I wrote a complaint on it. I'm going to give it to him tomorrow. Why didn't you just put it in your... Oh, I guess you don't have, know how to do the Photoshop thing. You could have Not put really, it in no. your meme group. I, well, David made it. Everybody who... Like, Taylor would be the only guy who didn't know about it. Oh. It's not really a meme. I mean, I guess it is a meme. It's just a complaint form with David's face on it. Oh. Like, him smiling and giving it a thumbs up. So, I printed it out, and I filled it out today. I'm going to give it to him tomorrow. I'm going to wear... A, like, I'm not going to wear... I'm going to wear my jacket from, like, the wedding. Mm-hmm. So, I have a little pocket on it. I'm just going to... Pull it out of the side like You've I'm pulling a gun out served. and hand it to him. You've been served. I'll walk out and go back to my own my own class. I'm hoping he's in the class, but we'll see. That would be embarrassing if he isn't. You can give it to his dad or something. <laughs> I need Here's... to get an envelope. I'll have to go by the store in the morning. Maybe. I don't know. You don't have anything in here? No. You can put it in one of your bottles. What? I would have to empty out the bottles. It's all right. That's what sinks are for. <laughs> Some people like tequila. Okay. Yeah, the crazy people. The non-elect, as I like to say. <laughs> was it really wine that he turned into? That turned the water into wine, oh, or was it just whole, grape juice? That's a whole other right. debate. <laughs> I right, uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Tyler. Yep. So, uh, well, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.